Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Just because of the three thing and never winning the four, I am going to go Arsenal to win the league. Whoa. Japanese plan, go to America. Now, I don't know anything about managing West Ham, but I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and, it's like Gary and, and Valencia, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've stayed away from Love Island. <laughs> Somebody suggested that the jury was out. I think like the Adam, jury's not out. Adam said it. Like, 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 verdict's in. Verdict's in. I'm really, really worried. I'm going to be oh, honest. You haven't thought it oh. yet. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Sit down here. <laughs> On the couch. Hello and welcome to the Overlap Live Fan Debate brought to you by Skybet. With the new season just days away, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by fans from up and down the country. And helping us decipher and break down the brand new season is the one and only Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Boys, I have to say, you're both, you're both glowing. You've enjoyed your mini retirements. <laughs> I got back this morning. <sighs> Hard life. It wasn't pleasant at Malaga Airport at 6.40. <laughs> so I'm sure you've been keeping abreast of all the games, everything that's been going on in pre-season. Uh, I watched Salford Saturday and I watched United Saturday, uh, which was interesting. Uh, I didn't see the game yesterday. All right, so I'll, I'll come Just getting that in there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you were going to throw him under the bus. Now, we've got to start with, a, with last season's treble winners, Manchester City. You said on this show many times that you didn't want them to win the treble. No. Has it sunk in? How much did it hurt? And have you got over it? No, I don't. I mean, I think once I went to the cup final, I think once that was over, I felt as though they would do it. Although I thought Inter Milan in the Champions League final did really well. But look, it doesn't surprise me with what Pep Guardiola's achieved during his managerial career that he's gone on and done it. I think that it was going to be him if anybody was going to do it. And they're an exceptional team. And we'll see how they react this season. We, we won the league the year after the treble, but we did, there was a dip. Um, there was an expectation that we felt as though we probably could go and win the Champions League again and couldn't get to those heights for quite a good few years. So it'll be interesting to see how they do take on this year. And the transfer window's been OK for them. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why they lost Mares, but um, we'll see what happens and uh, whether they can sort of, if you like, climb that mountain like they've done and then go again this year. We're going to come on to that uh, Morris situation in, in just a little bit. We've got to talk about the Charity Shield, or as Arsenal fans believe, it's basically the Champions League final for us. <laughs> what do you, what do you make of the, the Charity Shield game? Obviously, Arsenal won on penalties. It was deflected goal in the 110th minute. How important are they? You've both played in them. Do, do they matter for the rest of the season? I, listen, I think City have lost it three times. I don't know if it's three times in a row or the last three times they've lost it. They've, they've gone on to win the league. So that's the most important thing. It's definitely more important now. And the reason I say that is because I think it's foreign managers. Because when I was growing up as a kid or you know watching games, no one was really interested in the charity shield. But when Gerard Hulier came to Liverpool, for him it was a trophy. 
and he built her up within like sort of the dressing room. Mourinho was the same. It seemed like Pep's the same. Mikel Arteta, and I think it, it's that. I think still being English, growing up with the Charity Shield, it's still a friendly. But for other people around the world, when these play their similar sort of games, I think it's called the Super Cup in Spain. It was normally Barcelona Real Madrid. It was a massive game. I remember Mourinho and sort of Pep Guardiola going for it and the players going at each other over there. But I, I, in my eyes, it's not a trophy. But what I do think it means to me is that the mentality of the managers going into their players, that every game matters, every trophy you go for, you want to win. And I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think there's any correlation at all between winning that game and then what happens during the season. I mean, the, the year we won the treble, I think we lost to Arsenal. Was it three or four? What I can't remember who it was. We got battered anyway. Um, so I don't think it matters in terms of what's going to happen for the rest of the season. But I think it's a really... Our, our boss used to say it's the best pre-season friendly you can ever play. Yeah. In terms of preparation for the start of the season. That's the way he used to put it. And he used to say something else at half-time and regularly in this game. You may as well go and lift the trophy as not. So it was never a massive, like, you have to win it and there's massive pressure on it. But you may as well win it if you're there. You may as well be the ones that go up and lift it. So for Arsenal yesterday, it's a good moment, but nothing more than that, really. Taking a bit of shine off it, Pippa. I thought well, it was quite I respectful. Agree, Obviously, it's a, it's a good day out. It was a perfect Sunday out. But like, more importantly, it's what happens in the league. Yeah. I feel like it's a mental barrier for Arsenal to finally beat City. Mm. And that gives them the confidence to go into the season. But other than that, it's just a good day out. And a trophy, of course. Now, <laughs> we saw the implementation of some new rules. I know you, I know you love all the new rules that come in. Mm. Arsenal scored in the 110th minute of, yeah. of the game. Added time. It, it, it's been put in to get rid of, eliminate time wasting. Varane's come out and, and panned it, said he had, that the FA haven't, they've just basically taken the players to a rules meeting and told them it's happening. He says it's not going to help. Already played, like people complain about congestion of fixes, too many games. What do you make of it? I thought Varane's uh, tweet that he sent this morning was quite damning because it was, it, was a, it was a very calm, sort of calculated, measured analysis of the situation and uh, I didn't watch the game yesterday, but I watched Salford on Saturday. And I'm coming from a from a, an owner's point of view on Saturday. We won 2-0, so I'm not an angry owner on Saturday. I'm absolutely delighted. There were nine minutes of added time at the end of the game, which I couldn't believe. I thought it was probably about four or five, maybe six. But it wasn't just that. They played three minutes added time on the nine and ended up playing 12. Yeah. And we're going to see Howard Webb tomorrow, aren't we? We're doing a piece for the new rules for this before the Friday night football. And... I, it's not right. It, on Saturday, on our sort of group text that we have with the lads, you know, two of them were at the game, two of them watching on the link uh, along with me. And all of us were on, what's going on here? This is not right. Forget them. We were, we were winning 2-0. So we weren't panicking or anything like that, thinking we we're going to lose the game. I think there will be ma massive problems with it. I mean, Pep's obviously reacted after the game, which you, you would expect. But I think Varane's was a very, very calm, measured, put down of this sort of application of it. And I think they'll change it very quickly. What they've done the first week, it's not just for time wasting. So it's almost when a goal goes in, I'm stopping it until it starts again. The same with substitution. So they're not time wasting situations. But in the past, I think a substitution would just be 30 seconds and we get on with the game. Whereas they're actually doing it on the clock. And that's, I think, is adding to basically the time-wasting issues that you've got. The big thing for me is the time-wasting. You're right, it's a lot of time. Who gets booked for time-wasting? It's always a goalkeeper. Can we have a show of hands here on this? Because Does anybody think watching football last season in the Premier League, if you, if you all were watching Premier League or something in the Championship, obviously, did anybody else think that they were being shortchanged at the end of a game? Yeah. I mean, when you play certain clubs. Hand, hands up if you thought you were being shortchanged. That's four out of There's, there's so many times where you see games and let's say there's five minutes added on at the end. 
someone goes down in the 90th minute and it's still played to the 95th minute, even though like two, three minutes of that game has been wasted, you're chasing a result. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is frustrating well, when that happens. Mm. And they do need to address, like Jamie says, like maybe not go over the top with 15 minutes added on and all that, but yeah. when time's wasted, you need to add it on. There's so many teams that just go down, roll around, waste more time, make a substitute in the extra time and it's you never know, it's, it's never addressed it's the biggest the, some, some of the biggest clubs that are, are worried about um, short change and some of the you know the lesser well, clubs you are, you are you <laughs> I wasn't worried <laughs> we've so many goals in the no, last it, minute I didn't, didn't need any it more was, but it was just, four hands that out of about 15 or 20 people that were worried about it because it's the Gary Neville podcast and they're all terrified oh. <laughs> <laughs> we went out to the fans as part of the Skybet fan hope survey and basically worked out or got a reading of who they think is going to win the league. And it, the results are interesting, some of them. Uh, 3% went for Man United. Yeah, I think you were probably one of five people. 3%. 3%. <laughs> one, probably one of about five people that voted. 5% uh, said Liverpool. 12% said Arsenal. And a massive 74% went for Man City. Now, Jamie, no English club has ever won it four times in a row. Is it possible? Is it going to become like the Bundesliga where Bayern... 11 years on the bounce. Well, we've, we've had it in the past where Gary, I think, won it three times. I think Liverpool in the early 80s won it three times. And this Man City team are the equal. You know, we, we can have that debate who's the best team. But in terms, you know, they've now got that European Cup. And they are one of the great teams that we've ever seen in this country. And I don't know what it is about winning it for the fourth time because it, it, it doesn't happen that often. Sometimes there's a team who comes from, from nowhere. And I do think with City, the only thing that can stop them is that they're involved in other stuff. You, you know, like going, going away to that World, World Club Championship, you know, would, could that have an effect? We've, we've both done that. You know, you come back, maybe you're a couple of games behind someone. But I just... And when I looked at City yesterday as well, and there's, I think there's been a myth around City for a long time that they've got this massive squad. They've never had a massive squad, City. They've always had 15 or 16 players who are, like, top class, who, like, four or five would come in and it'd be no difference. But they've always got two or three kids on the bench, even last season. We see Cole Palmer come on yesterday and get the goal. So there's always been a bit of a myth about the numbers in the squad. And if they had a bit of, you know, bad luck with injuries, one of the big players were out... How would they cope with that? You know, if Arsenal look a lot stronger, Chelsea and Liverpool look stronger, you know, everyone looks stronger. But, I mean, they just, it, it's Pep Guardiola, he's set the bar that high and his teams never normally get lower than sort of 90 points, even though I think they won it with 89 last season. But I just think it's a big ask for anyone. I, I don't think Arsenal could have done any more <clears throat> to close the gap. They've shown real intent, yeah. you know, with the signings that they've made. Um, my concern is they're the only team that I look at and think that actually could win the league. Mm. Uh, they obviously fell short last season, but with the three signings they've made, they, they're going to be better. I look at the other teams and think, who is going to be better than last season? Chelsea will be naturally better because of the fact the managers come in. Couldn't get any worse. They've refined the squad and they, couldn't get, <laughs> and they couldn't get any worse. So they're going to be better just, just naturally. I don't look at Liverpool at the moment and think, wow, they're going to be like, you know, they're going to be challenging City for the league or Arsenal for the league. I don't look at United with what they've done so far. So unless United, Chelsea, Liverpool do something miraculous in this next few weeks in the transfer window, Arsenal, for me, are the only team that I think can challenge City at this moment in time. And I think they could get very close to them, but I still would go City just. But I won't go as strong as that 70% to 13. I think it's a lot closer than that personally this year. I think that Arsenal will have the bit right between the teeth and they've got three good signings. Big Steve, welcome Thank you. to the overlap. Mr Man sitting up. 
we've spoken about having those 16, 17 top quality players, but you've lost Mares. I think, second most assists yeah. for you last season. Vardio's come in. Are you happy with what's going on? Because you've also lost Gundogan as well. You've always got to be happy when you win a treble. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I am happy. Um, yeah, Gundogan and Mares. when you look at the goals and the system to bring... Obviously, Kovacic has came in there. He's not going to hit them kind of numbers. He's a different player. I'm looking at Phil Foden to come in the middle. I think we've seen it last didn't season. Didn't start yesterday. No, he didn't. He looked good when he came on, though. He did. I think, I think Phil can hit the Gundogan numbers in the middle. The wide side where Riyad was, I think we need somebody. Guardiola's coming in. I know Pep plays this back four now with centre-backs across the back. Um, I think he's a great signing. But I think the big worry from Manchester City is, is what Gary was saying, a drop-off. You know, when you win a treble, you know, for us fans, it was like a relief. It was like we've finally got the Champions League, we've won a treble. And then you look at a few players and you think, are they going to maybe think, you know, that's a bit different, I've done it now, we've won a treble. I don't think Pep Guardiola will allow that. I don't think his standards will let that drop. I think he's bringing in Guardiola's a young signing. I think he might um, be one to replace Laporte. I think Kovacic has got the experience. We forget about Real Madrid days and things like that. I think he's... He looks like he's played for City for a while, you know what I mean? He's come in. I think he's overtook Calvin Phillips already, you know, he's coming in. And I think we need one more signing. But for me, I think a lot of City fans talking to him, we're not going to panic. If we, we, we usually start the season a bit up and down. We don't usually go and, and, and win 10 games at, at the beginning. It's the business end of the season when Manchester City get going. That's when the mentality kicks in and Pep sort of does his magic. Um, but I'm just ready for the season. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Pep can G him up. You don't want to lose any game, and we lost yesterday on penalties. But overall, looking at the, the, the transfers he's brought in and that, when you've won a treble, you don't need to five or six players. You just need one or two tweaks. And I think we're the team to beat, but everybody else around us is getting better. Arsenal, you like you say, I think Manchester United have got a lot better. The goalkeeping situation, I think, improves them. Chelsea... You know what I mean? So everyone's after us. We're on top of the mountain and everyone's trying to knock us off. So, you know, I'm ready for it. Do you, do you believe that Arsenal are your main competition? Is it, do you believe they're the closest to you? I've tipped Liverpool and I know, and, and people were <clears> laughing at me in that, only because of a, a mentality point of view near the end. I, we've been told to toe with Liverpool a few times and it ain't enjoyable for me or him. That's miserable. Every game you go to, you've got to win. If you don't win, it, or it, you don't enjoy it. It's like relief. Yeah, we've won. Oof, I was Liverpool got on they've won. Oh god, we go again. We go again. And I think that's where Arsenal fell short at the end of the season. I think City cranked it up that much. I think some of their players didn't really fancy it. They panicked in games. We're two 0 up. Oh, they've got back in it. What do we do now? Oh, all oh, right. Oh, right. We chase the game. Then they get caught. We go two 0 down at the Etihad. The City fans they sort of relax a little bit. We know we trust the manager. But Liverpool, when they, they, they get going at Anfield as well and they start on that run, I think they're the only team that are capable of going 10-11 near the end of the season. Are you going to lose Kyle Walker as well, potentially? Well, I, I, was, I was there. That would be a massive loss then. Yeah, well, listen, it's a very, very strong possibility. Pep took him out the other night. There was photographs of just him and Pep dining in Manchester and it looked like they were having a bit of a heart-to-heart. So, And I was speaking to some people at City at weekend who, who were in and around the club and they said Kyle's massive, off the pitch as well. You know, and I mean... it's. This could be one of them things. I've done it now at Manchester City. I've won the league. I've won the treble. I want to try something they, they different. They can't let him go. They can't no, let him go. If him, Gundogan and Mares go, that's a massive hole, that. Yeah. And that's a pro- And then they're talking about Bernardo, which I've been told he's not going to go. I mean, and he's not. He's, we've got a month, but I don't think Pep wants to lose him. I think we do need somebody on the, on the, 
the right. Cole Palmer came on yesterday as a young kid, but over a full season, you can't rely on Cole. Why does why does Foden not just play on the right hand side off his left foot? Well, we, we, well against United last season at home, it was Foden on that side and, and, and Grealish on the other side, outstanding. But he's playing him more central, I think. Yeah. I think last season, as De Bruyne, something's not right. I was speaking about this watching the game yesterday about Foden. He's not young anymore, is he? What is he? Twenty three now. Is he 20? Is that not, not your No, but what I'm saying is, three or four years ago, we were saying this is going to be like the yeah, yeah. best English player. This is the, and it almost feels like Bellingham has become that player where he's, like, he's, he's the one we build the England team around. And Foden can't quite get in the England team. He can't quite get in the City team. He, he, he made the goal yesterday. That turn he yeah, on the act was unbelievable. I don't think but, he can... But you go to like... I was thinking Gundogan's left, Mahrez is left, and then you're playing the Community Shield the week before the season and he still doesn't get in the first eleven. And I can't quite work out because we all know how good he is. What is it that's sort of stopping him or perhaps maybe slight lack of belief in that? He doesn't just put him straight in. He played Alvarez behind Haaland. These are all positions that Matt, uh, Foden could have played, but he still doesn't play him. I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think Pep knows where his best position is. We've seen him play left. We've seen him play right. We've seen him play in the middle. We've seen him play false nine. And he sort of does all right everywhere, but there's nowhere where he really stands out where you think, make that position your mm -hmm. own. Like Gary said, uh, Foden on the right would be perfect, but he's playing him inside. Bernardo's out on the right, but Bernardo on the right isn't the best. And then Cole Palmer's come in there, so I still think he's he's having a bit of a tinker about with it. And I think he's the, mm -hmm. what what you said before about the Man City myth with the squad. You are right, but the thing is, is a lot of players that can play in five or six positions yeah, if yeah. need be. Not outstanding, but they do a job there. And like you say, with Foden, I think this is a there's no excuse for Phil Foden now. This is his standout season. He's got to. He's got to shine now, you know what I mean? We've won the treble, and if, if there is a drop, it's players like Foden, I'm thinking, right, make the position your own. Don't be happy coming off the bench. You're Phil Foden, you know what I mean? Get in there, make a statement. Kevin De Bruyne, last season, late on in the season, was picking up niggles and injuries. Foden should be grabbing that game and saying, this is my position now, I'm having it all. Riyad, like, I'll play on the right, you know, show me. But he had some good chances yesterday. He, he, missed, he missed a really mm. good chance. He created the goal when he spun on the halfway line. But... I get what you're saying, but I, I, I'm a Man City supporter and I don't really know where Phil Foden's best position is. Well, as much as I like giving Man City their time in the sun after the treble, you do deserve it. We have to touch on some of the other clubs and now this is a chance for maybe one of you to go viral in a, in a few months because it's time for the top six predictor. I'm going to need your top six. Remember, this is going to live on the internet forever. <laughs> I know. And if you put Man United top, people are going to pan you. I'm not putting Man United top. Um, just because of the three thing and never winning a four, I am going to go Arsenal to win the league. Whoa. I'm going to go City, I'm going to go City second. You've just said before in the last answer that City... No. City will win the league. Yeah, but just I'm, come back from holiday, let him go. Yeah, yeah I, I, if, I, if I was putting my life there, I'd put City, but I'm just going to go Arsenal because I think Arsenal can beat them this year. Arsenal, City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Villa. I'll let you decompress after that, Carol. <laughs> Newcastle, and to be fair, Tottenham, I just think Newcastle Champions League and Tottenham, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. And if Kane leaves, you could just go like that. I mean, no, I'll let you know. I'll let you know in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to you on, on, on yeah, the next yeah, yeah. time. I'll, I'll go Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham. Who agrees? 
Well, listen, Gary was right last season, so I hope you're right again. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's given us a charity. Yeah. A charity <laughs> season, yeah. us yeah. City finished 11 points ahead of Liverpool. Your miles rang on that one. What? <laughs> no, but to be fair, Arsenal finished only five points behind in the end, which I think is a hell of an achievement. And I think the three signings Arsenal have made Could improved them a lot. And I think City... be difficult for City to improve on last year based on the fact that they've won everything. Um, I, I just feel like Arsenal really have got... I like Havertz as a player. I think Havertz was underachieving at Chelsea. Arteta has overseen two massive ball jobs in two seasons, though. Maybe that's a part of the fabric of the club that they can't just get over the line. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he'll come under big pressure if it doesn't go well this season. What you're saying there, I thought it was interesting. You're still watching the game. How wound up Arteta was on the side of the pitch mm. after about ten minutes. Mm. I, I was. I love passion. We, uh, we've got Jurgen Klopp. You love it when he's, he's involved, and and we all love to see our manager's shoulder. But I just thought it was too much. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes into the the Community Shield, he got a yellow card himself yeah. because he wanted someone booked for pulling his shirt. And I thought, Should have been wow, I know. But what I'm saying, he was that incensed this early in the season it's like this is a long season mm. a very long season they're back in the Champions League I, I, I spoke to a non-league um, coach and they'd had this sort of briefing pre-season about the sort of uh, touchline behaviour and they said that Arteta was a big reason that that was brought in from a last season's behaviour. <laughs> he got a yellow card after what, 15? I, I think, I think, Where yeah. was this when, when Jürgen Klopp was sprinting like, down there, down passion, like, shouting at referees? Yeah, you know, you've got Mourinho doing knee slides up. Are you hosting it? So you're going to put an arsehole <laughs> <on>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Carry on, guys, carry on. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Right. <laughs> it's true, though. Pippa, we did a Skybet fan hope survey. 47% of City fans mm. said Arsenal were their biggest rivals. Now, Ooh, with like now. Timber, Declan Rice... Huge signings, Kai Havertz. Yeah. You know, still, I think the jury's out on, on Kai from both Chelsea fans and Arsenal fans, but yeah. it makes us stronger. Do you believe that we can go again? Because there's big praise from Gary saying that we've got the potential to win, which we, that we, I didn't expect. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, before I even answer that question, I've, I've heard of Beyonce's Beehive, I've heard of Taylor Swift's um, Swifties, but Gary Neville's got a whole different breed of fans <laughs> because when you made that prediction last season, I laughed in your face saying that City were like, we'll bottle the league. My socials were full of, you need to apologise to Gary, because he was right. And you you haven't, though, have you? Gary's <laughs> out. Do you know what I mean? I'm still waiting for it. It's not coming either, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need to either. I get a lot don't. wrong. No, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm always looking forward to a new season. Actually, no, not always. But this season, on the back of last season, I'm excited to see what we can do. We've seen the improvements. We've seen the additions to the team. Timber looks immense, amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't see it until after the game. I didn't notice at the time that his boot fell off and he's still carried on playing. <laughs> like, if that is not what you call heart, that I want to play that in my team. And he's, he's fitted in straight away. And Kai Havertz, like you said, the jury's out. I mean, in pre-season, there was a lot of talk about him and he missed, uh, like he messed up in an MLS game or something like that, but then he scored the next one. I think you need to give these players time to fit in. Arteta knows what he's doing. I've got trust in Edu and Arteta. Now, I did it a couple of seasons ago, if I'm yeah. honest with you. Especially after a lot, I was like, no, don't know what's happening there. But what we've seen from this Arsenal team, they've been strong throughout the whole season. And the points we finished on last season is enough for us to build on. So it all, hap- it all depends what happens when the season starts. We've got some tough fixtures in the first few months, but... We signed a keeper. That was the bit that I... Oh, I yeah, David, yeah, Rayo. See, I saw, I saw that, that actually really impressed me the other day because mm. I thought... I thought Ramsdale did struggle a little bit in the last five or ten games. I thought... I actually like Rayo at Brentford, so I yeah, thought same. the idea of signing him was, again, another sort of message that he's not taking what happened last season lightly. Mm. You know, the, the things that cost him a problem... There were minor details that cost them a problem, that caused them a problem in the last 10 games. 
But Ramsdale was one of those yeah. issues in that last he 10 games. He was erratic yeah. and you can't have that in 10, with yeah. keeper 10 games to go. You cannot have an erratic goalkeeper. But the thing with Arsenal is, I think last season, they were seen as this young, up-and-coming team. Most people probably felt City would do it towards the end, the experience, things like that. And I think even when you fell away, yeah, you might get things on social media. But I think in the main, most people thought, what a great season yeah. Arsenal have had. But what Arsenal have done in the summer makes them better. But I think this idea now that, that keeps getting put out there, that young Arsenal team, you know, don't spend the money that City do. And they, they, Arsenal have spent an unbelievable amount of yeah, money yeah. in the last two or three years. So I, I, I think we've got to come away from that. There should be a lot expected on them. Not that they should win the league, but they should be going for every trophy. And it should be if they don't quite get over the line in the, in the league, like last season yeah. or a big cup final, they should be criticised for that because I yeah. think we should expect a lot more from Arsenal this season because, as I said, yes, Arteta has done a brilliant job, but there's been a lot of finance well, I mean, there as well. That's what I'm nervous for. Havertz signing, to be totally honest with you, I think it's a bit of a... He's one of the top, top earners there. He's a good footballer. I think he'll fit him better time. at Arsenal. I don't think there's been but that much hype about that. Talk about him. I mean, Gary's saying it could be I the difference between you winning the league and not. He's a very good player. I think he's possibly been talking about him playing in the number eight and stuff. Arsenal's midfield automatically becomes a lot weaker when he's in it. Yeah. I, I mean, Smith-Rowe can play in that number eight role as well, to be fair. Once he's at his full fitness again. Smith-Rowe. Oh, OK, yeah, that's not going to work either, is it? It could. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at Arsenal's front line of sort of Martinelli, Saka, Smith-Rowe, Erdegaard, Jesus, Havertz. They all have Enketia. a profile. That, pardon? Enketia. Enketia. They're all mobile. They can all play across the front. I think there's. I, I, I think Abbott's a very good player. I think at Arsenal he'd be a lot better than he was at Chelsea. I think, be, I think he's more suited to the way Arsenal play. Yeah. But I can't. Is he better than Erdegaard in the ten? No. Is I, he? Is he an out and out striker that's going to win you the league? No. There's talk about him playing eight, possibly replacing Zaka in there. I can't I, see I, it. I was, I, what I was surprised when Pochettino let him go. I, th I thought, I thought he would want to work with him. Why do you think the jury's out on Havertz? When we he's not, he's not an outfit for me. No, did you, did you say the jury's still out on Havertz? Yeah, well, only it, is. Judge, it is. Why is it, it out? Is. We've seen him for three years. Well, why'd you say? Hey, hey Rory. We've seen him for three years. That's what I'm saying. He's not out enough of Chelsea. Oh, because, because the jury's made his mind up. The jury wasn't out, he was him. He wasn't a disaster at Chelsea. He's one of those players where he'd done all right. He did okay. He did, you know. That's not true. Well, that's not true. He didn't do all right. He, did, he was a really bad player for us. It really didn't work for him. That's why we sold him. To say the jury's out. We, 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 he's just saying he was good. I don't know. No, no, sorry. I said. No, I, said the, I think somebody somebody suggested that the jury was out. I think like, Adam, the jury's not out. Adam said it was like, out. Like, like, verdicts in. Verdicts in. He's gone. I think Adam. No, no. We desperately we desperately needed rid of him. No, I I don't think it was a disastrous sign. Uh, he did score the winning for you in the Champions League final, didn't he? He did. I mean, Michi Bashi scored the winning for you.
things be moved on. That's what I think would be perfect. Really that's that's reimagining him altogether. That's making him a centre midfielder. No, no, I'd stick him up for that. I'd stick him up for that. I want to keep him for that. There was a stat last year. You said about the most wasteful striker. I think there was a stat that like he missed the most chances. It was ridiculous. He missed two big ones yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. So, But I think there's an element of what you're hoping How old is he now, Havertz, by the way? I don't even He's not, he's not old. You're hoping there's what million. we said about Darwin Nunes before that you think there's mm. going to be that potential. Rashford, for instance, had seasons where he was sort of like tens, nines, twelves. All of a sudden, you're expecting that that player might just. Ronaldo did it for four years at United. All Daddy, of a he's big, not going to do that. No, no, no. no. He's, not, he's not that type of player. No, I think he, he was get, never a centre forward no, when he came from think he can get to, I think he can get to 15 to 20 goals. I think in the right team, he can get to 15 to 20 goals. So for me, you're hoping that that eight goals, nine goals. Mm. All of a sudden, those missed chances, if he's getting them all the time, that confidence comes, that calmness and surety, and all of a sudden it goes from 9 to 18. Then you talk about a major player. Was he that bad at Chelsea? Yeah, he was bad. I mean, people, people will always flag the, the goal in the European Cup final, so don't get me wrong, he's etched in Chelsea folklore forever, and we'll be eternally grateful for what happened in Portugal. You don't try. Scoring a huge, iconic goal doesn't make you a very good player for the club. It doesn't change who you've been for the club for three years. And it certainly doesn't make you a sort of statement signing for a team hoping to win the Premier League. You're right. going viral again. Yeah, what, absolutely. Can I, I can't wait for it. This is the Rory Jennings special. Yeah, 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 I'll probably put the kids to death on it. Talking of statement signings, Adam, Anana, I know the jury's that people, some people love him, some people hate him. Makes you, a better, makes you a better team, right? I think he immediately makes a better team. I think we saw with the, with the, the goal um, Lance scored at uh, Old Trafford on Saturday that there's going to be a few squeaky moments and the defenders need to learn that if you give the ball away, he's going to be off his line, do you know what I mean? So I think we have to get used to him. I think we're going to be squeaky. I think there'll be days when we're longing for David De Gea to kick it out for a throw-in again. <laughs> but I think ultimately it'll be a huge positive to the team. I think we've seen some of the distribution of the ball already, just fizzing it out to the full-backs. I know it's just simple things, but so many times David De Gea will get on the ball Goal to play, goal to play, defenders and fullbacks are like, where am I going? Am I going forward? Am I coming back? Don't know where to go. And then the move just breaks down and the team slows down again. So I think Anana will immediately bring that. And what I've been impressed with him the most is his attitude and his character. He seems to be a Man United player. So even if he does make a mistake, I feel like he's got the backbone, you know, the, the, the character and the personality to be able to just go, I've made a mistake, I'll move on with it and, and, and get stuck in. You've seen him getting stuck into his teammates when they were making mistakes and stuff in pre-season. I love him at the moment. Isn't that I think not a risky a job? Issue. If you're a keeper that takes massive risk, gets lobbed from 55 yards and then you're berating your centre-half, is that good for well, team? That, those two things never happened in the same instance. He never got lobbed and then berated his defenders. I, I, I'm just saying, is this what you want? <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I, I know what you're saying about that. I, mean, I used to think if you're going to hand it out on the pitch regularly and there were only one or two players that I played with that ever did, you, you can't make mistakes yourself. Mm. Mm. You can't. That goal weren't a mistake from him. It was Delo who gave the ball. No, away. I didn't think it was a mistake on Saturday, to yeah. be fair. No, I didn't. I'm just saying, but if you're going to actually berate your players on the pitch publicly, which I say I only played with one or two players that ever did, regularly, I mean, you better be very good and not make a lot of mistakes yourself because they're going to start going back for you. Um, I do think Manchester United need to change goalkeepers. It, 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 it got to the point, I think the cup final was the final straw. I think the reason that Manchester United were a little bit disingenuous towards De Gea and it was a bad ending really in terms of what he'd done for the club but I think they had to do it in terms of being hard because I think they'd committed probably a little bit too early. He'd done well during the season to an extent but I think the cup final was just like, hang on a minute, that can't go in your net. 
Mm. And there was that statement, that can't go in your net, and it had happened too many times. So I think the distribution, along with the fact that there was shots starting to go in that really shouldn't have gone in, they had to make that call, and I think it was a harsh one, but they had to do it to him. Um, and look, Manchester United, I've said it before, I think it's the toughest position. I think in Premier League football, Manchester United's goalkeeper, people in this room may disagree with that, may think it's bias. You come under more scrutiny than any other player in English football, I think, if you're a United goalkeeper. So... I wish him all the best because he's going to need that personality and that character because people will get on to him. Every mm. media organisation, every pundit, every fan from every other club, if he does make a mistake or two, you know what's going to happen at every single occasion. And I, th and I think the, the lad at the other end, Hoyland as well, centre-forward to Manchester United. I think that's the second most. <laughs> I, I think they're the two positions that you're going to get put under most scrutiny and they're the two ones that have to settle in. The reason I'm a bit nervous about United season is you've got these two unknowns at either end of the pitch in two focal positions that really have to hit it off for Manchester United to be better than last season. Yeah. I think the beauty well, with Hoyland is we don't have to... I think we'll see Marcus Rashford go through the middle earlier this season. And then maybe he doesn't Sancho like playing has there, Because Garnacho for me is looking... But he doesn't like really playing there, though, Adam. I, mean, I, I spoke to him a few weeks ago. He's categoric. I'm, I'm a, I, I play off the left. He's not going to play there, obviously. But he wants to play off the left. I think that that's obviously the ideal choice for him. But in the early season, I think Hoyland's injured as well at the moment. He's arrived injured, which don't help. Um, but... I think, yeah, once, once we get started with the season, I think it'll be Rashford through the middle. But you, you scored, I think you, on the you left. scored the lowest amount of goals in the top six, 58, but, but just, 58 goals. You need... You need, you just need the, the, the real answer here is that, to be fair, Aitis and Haag wanted two centre-forwards. He wanted the young one yeah. to back up Harry Kane. Yeah. He needed two centre-forwards. He needs two centre-forwards. Mm. Because, you know, Martial could probably leave or he'll become unpredictable like he has been. Yeah. Rashford definitely wants to play on the left. So we haven't actually got a centre-forward. Yeah. Manchester United do not have a centre-forward. Why, to... Why haven't they gone for Harry Kane? Why haven't they gone for You don't want it. You don't want it. You, you can't go for a player that's bottled it I... and he's, he hasn't got the balls to say, I want to leave Spurs. I, I Every season, he's, he does no, the same thing. No, I, I disagree, with, I dis, I disagree with that, Adam. He tried that on the overlap two years ago and it didn't work out that well for him. <laughs> so I think this time he's probably doing it in a different way, but behind the scenes. But man, I, you haven't gone for him because you can't deal with Daniel Levy like Bayern Munich are now. And Man United, who need the centre-forward, can't be going to the last minute yeah, of the window and then you don't get him and then you're left yeah. nowhere. To be fair, that's what we've I'm hoping that they're watching what's happening the seeing that an £86 million deal might get agreed with Bayern Munich and Kane goes, I ain't going. I don't think... I might be wrong here. I have no idea. I've no contact with Harry Kane whatsoever. I'll be stunned if Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich. Mm. If, he, if he doesn't want to break that Premier League goal-scoring record, mm. that all time, I'll be absolutely stunned if he goes to Bayern Munich. And Bayern Munich are a huge club, by the way. But I just don't see that at all. Do you not think, as a striker, is it that important when you've already got with the Tottenham's goal-scoring record? It's massive for him. People keep talking about Harry Kane and trophies. Do you think Harry... Well, what if Harry Kane goes to the Bayern Munich and wins the Bundesliga? Who cares? Yeah, he'll, he'll is it he'll care? He'll care. He's won't. I, 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 he's I, I, he's I, not a personal pride. They win the Bundesliga without a record. No one can Anyway, I, I, I saw an interview with Alan Shearer the other day. I thought this anyway. Yeah. But Alan Shearer got asked, the, the Premier League record goal scorer or the Premier League with Blackburn, he just said, my job is to score goals. Yeah. That was his answer. I don't care what you say. Lineker, the three greatest goal scorers in English, sort of, say, like, let's say, the last 30, 40 years. Lineker hardly won a trophy. Shearer hardly won anything. Mm. 
won one trophy. It's I think to Liverpool say that when won two and three. Trophy, and Harry Kane has, has, has not won a trophy. Harry Kane, for me, why are we all desperate for him to go? He's, he's the one that's going to win something. Really <laughs> score. The greatest thing is, everyone's talking about him going to Bayern Munich. He's one of the best players we've ever seen in the Premier League. Why do we want him to go? Can he not do both? Stay at Tottenham, and if you can go on a free to United or City, wherever you can go, do that. I would back into the years. Coming back to it, coming back to it, United. United, I think, if, if they, if, I hope they're being clever and I hope Kane's being clever and that they're waiting to get a deal whereby they agree with Munich. He then says, no, I'm not going and I want to go to United. Because United need Harry Kane, right? They still need the, the young lad as well to back him up and let him bed in and play his 25, 30 games. He didn't play every game for Atalanta last season. So I'm worried that we've got this kid up front who, to be fair, has got massive pressure on his shoulders that everyone's going to be watching him. He needs that pressure taking off him a little bit. Kane puts United into that sort of realms of catching Arsenal and City. He's, he's, that's mm. what I think he does to Manchester United. United have just spent £72 put, million pounds on an injured centre-forward. He scored nine goals in Serie A last season. Are we sure they're going to be clever in the transfer market? <laughs> it doesn't really feel... No, but my point is, if that's, someone that they're building, if that's someone that they're going for for the future and think that that's going to be the sort of next big thing, fair enough. But they need someone right How here, right now. How much Sixty odd, but he, but he played. He's played a hundred senior appearances. Sixty odd, that was ninety one. Exactly. He's done it. He's done six top 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 and take twenty off the Liverpool. Is that a scouts deal? He paid half money. Ninety-eight. One hundred and fifty million. What? Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Put United in the title race. Yeah, absolutely. Thirty goals. I've said this three years. Harry Kane, Sancho, Varane. He calls the title, doesn't he? Honestly, Harry Kane... I think so, though. Kane puts Harry them in the title. Puts United. United. the title race, they wouldn't win the title. No. Harry Kane puts Manchester United right in there with City and Arsenal. Yeah. Do you know what? To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that Bayern Munich, uh, Tottenham have just rejected 100 million uh, bid for 100 million euros for Harry Kane. Is that fact? But do you know why they're rejecting it? Because they know he's not going to go. Mm. I swear to you, Daniel Levy is caught. Got, I think he's gone on holiday to Miami for no, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, Levy, Daniel Levy sat there thinking, the minute I accept... Harry Kane wants them to believe that he'll accept that money. He accepts the 100 million euros. Harry Kane says, no, I don't want to go there, but I'll go there for 100 million. And then do you, Levy's do you think dead. That he's thinking, really thinking... Yes. Levy is definitely thinking that Harry Kane's not going to go to Munich or else he accepts well, we've it. We've seen what he did with Modric before. You don't, give a, you mm. don't care, really. He wasn't no, afraid of. OK, now, Flav, we're on Spurs. Yep. Happy with Postacoglu. I mean, yeah, that is, it's, a, it's a sea change from what you have. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Yes, I don't think you'll find a Spurs fan out there that ain't happy with Postacoglu being in the club. Before, if you had a choice of all of the, the names that we, we were linked with, Nogsman, Tuchel, all the others, uh, Pochettino, we probably wouldn't have put Postacoglu above them, but right now, um, yeah, we're ecstatic. And part of that is just how he's handling the football club. He's taking responsibility. There was a case in point where he was talking about Lo Celso. Um, we, 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 we spoke to someone in Spain. Apparently, Lo Celso wants to go back to... Or, or the Villarreal were looking at him. And he said, you don't have to go to Spain. I'm right here. Ask me the question about Lo Celso. I like him. I want him to be a part of the squad. That blunt honesty. And it wasn't even blunt honesty. It's just a normal thing for a normal human being to say. With Conte, it was just you have to pick apart what he's saying. Why does he mean it? Why does he hate us so much? <laughs> like, and, and you, you, you're, working, you're working so hard to, to work out what he actually means. With Postacoglu, he just says what he means. And, um, and so for that reason, we're excited. The other thing is the brand of football he plays. He has played wherever he's gone. Um, we've been crying out for that for a long time. Weirdly, if, if Harry Kane is to leave, now's probably the time because we probably will make up some of the goals lost by our style of play. Defence is another issue. Um, we need to sign two top quality, very quick 
centre-backs in order to compensate for the, how attacking this team will be next year. But overall, um, really positive. And the fact that the vast majority of fans are, they're not picking us for top four, top six. So a lot of people are saying we're not even a top six club anymore. I think will actually help us because we we'll just be able to get on with the season. No European football, you know, cup competitions that we, we never win anyway. So just got to concentrate on the on, on the Premier League. And I think you'll, you'll be able to get on with finishing eighth brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> now, from one new manager to another, close your ears for Pochettino, Rory. Yeah, buzzing. Yeah, well, I think he's I think he's conducting himself really well. I'm like delighted with what's happened. I can't believe it really. I think our pre-season has been pretty much perfect. You can see what he's doing already. I think you can see that he's embraced what's been sent from him from above. But I mean, ownership rather than God. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, Chelsea have this policy now of like really, really going for young, vibrant talent. And maybe, maybe doing that to the detriment of the experience in the team. Which I think could could be quite weird, you know. I was looking at looking at the ages of the squad, and like Ben Chilwell is now one of our more sort of senior players, which is weird and potentially risky. But I like it. I think that there's this real young, youthful hunger in the squad. There's a desire that's back. And if you look at what Arsenal did last year, I thought they were exceptional, weren't they? They were the youngest team in the league. So I can't believe it because I, you know, Pochettino is far too Tottenham for me at the time. <laughs> And I didn't really think that it would work. And I was really worried. And I can't say that many things this ownership are doing are inspiring me and don't chime with me in terms of the direction I want our club to go in. But the pre-season had been great. And I'm, I'm more optimistic now than I think I've been for a while. You know, you said the desire's back. Is that just, just by watching pre-season again? Because yeah. Chelsea were an absolute disgrace at the end of last season. In terms of the players, yeah, no, the performance they gave, the effort they were given. How, how can you say the desire's back? Pre-season. Like there is, there is an energy that Chelsea are playing with in this, you know, this Premier League series that took place in the States. Chelsea, won, I know it's irrelevant, mm. but Chelsea did win it. Um, I'm not, I'm not claiming. I did not make that thing. Just factually passing that information on. Um, but we played, and there was an energy and an enthusiasm. And you know, certain players at the club over recent years, they've they felt slightly like mercenaries. You know, and maybe not through any fault of their own. I'm not, I'm not judging players for trying to earn as much money as possible, maybe not caring about the club. You know that Aubameyang doesn't care about Chelsea. You know that Khalidou Koulibaly doesn't care about Chelsea. That's, that's what we were dealing with last year. Whereas the players that are playing now, you know, you look at maybe Ian Matson, you look at maybe uh, Carney Chukwamaker, it feels like they're there for the project, for the club and for the badge on their shirt. And to be totally honest, that's enough for, for us. I think, you know, obviously the, the clubs that you two played for, I think there is a sometimes an expectation to win silverware. And while that is the case of modern Chelsea, I think a lot of Chelsea fans, particularly of a certain age, it's just <coughs> fight for the badge, fight for the club. And I think this crop of players, the way that Pochettino's setting up, I think it's really happening. So, yeah, it's, it's born out of pre-season. It's born out of the players that's coming in as well. But, yeah, I'm feeling mildly optimistic. Mm. I mean, he's a, I think he's a class act. I mean, yeah. I, at the time where it was Ten Hag uh, and Pochettino for United, because I, you know, I know... Pochettino reasonably well. I would have said go for him, but I think Ten Hag's done a brilliant job. I think he'll do an outstanding job at Chelsea. He's class. He will not carry any uh, deadwood. He'll get rid of them. Mm. If you don't see that desire that you're talking about, he likes young players. He likes players he can mould. He likes players who do what he does what he wants to do. He's done this at Tottenham before where he's got rid of a, 
a squad that was aging. Yeah, yeah had yeah. some poor characters in there. He got rid of them inside six to twelve months and turned them into the, the hardest running, along with Klopp's Liverpool team in the country. And he'll do exactly the same yeah. at Chelsea. That's happening sold, already. That's sold. what's happening on pre-season. We've, we've looked so aggressive and so lively. It's just it's just nice to see the team playing with that urgency, particularly when you when you factor in how poor we were at the end of last year. You know, when the players did. I'm convinced that they down to Yeah, I'm convinced that that's what happened. When, when Pochettino went to PSG, it was deemed that that was something that should be a negative on his CV and that he shouldn't touch him after that. I thought that it was the other way. No one really succeeds there. If you, no. if you watched his PSG team when he had Mbappe, Neymar and Messi up front, they were an absolute joke, really. <laughs> they were so far away from being a Pochettino team. Yeah, he'll have had experiences of what not to do, of how you know these star players that he had to try and deal with. I feel like he'll be so much better off the back of that than he would have been before he went when he was at Tottenham and he had, to be fair, a group of players who all were with him. He's a better manager now, having been through that experience at PSG, than he is the one that went before he, before he went to PSG, in my opinion. I think that the one thing that'll be different here is that, compared to Tottenham, a little bit like Arsenal last season, because he'd done such a great job bringing young players through, everyone loved the football, even when they just missed out on a cup final or the mm. league, it was almost, there wasn't too much criticism flying about. You've just said that. Our two clubs are sort of brought up on winning trophies, mm. but I think that's been Chelsea for the last 10 or 15 years. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 forget the football, it will change managers left, right and centre. We want to win, and it's been a winning machine, and I, I've got great respect for it. I'm not saying this season, I, think, I, don't, I don't think you'll quite make the top four this season, but I think over the next couple of years, there will be questions asked of Pochettino that have not been asked before in terms of, certainly yeah. in the Premier League, maybe a PSG in terms of the Champions League, but that's where I think it'll, the pressure will crank up on, on what we want him to produce because he's put in a bracket in terms of managers as one of the top managers without sort of winning maybe what Klopp's on the Champions League Guardiola mm. you, you, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. he's sort of put up there and hasn't quite got the trophies to sort of back it up even yeah. though I'm a massive fan yeah he's seen as being an elite manager I yes. think I think he's seen in that in that category but this year I do feel like within reason of course I feel like he's got a bit of a free hit yeah, yeah. because the squad is so young it's seen as being I mean look the way that the club's being run from the top, it's wild, isn't it? Like, we got rid of 12 players this window and we're still bloated. It, like, that's it, it, he will provide it as a, he'll be a shield for those owners, just as Klopp has been at Liverpool. Well, I hope not, I really hope that's not the case. I no, really it, don't it, want it, But that. He, he will be, because what, what, what those owners need is someone, to be fair, to front the club. Mm. Your manager is doing interviews three, four times a week, pre and post match, mm. two, three games a week. So, a minimum of four interviews a week, usually six. Yeah. He speaks well. Everyone trusts him, fans like him, opposition players and coaches like him. So he's going to be a very good front for the owners. Mm. The owners can sort of slip into the background and continue with whatever they're doing. Yeah. He'll be a good front for them in yeah. that sense. I think they've made a smart choice. I actually, it, one thing the owners said when they first came in was that they wanted to go long term. They wanted to change mm. the model. I actually believe they believed that. I think they wanted to do that. So when they named Graham Potter and they wanted the seven-year project, yeah. I think they had intent to do that, but it's just gone badly wrong. Mm. I think that Pochettino can deliver their vision of being there for four or five years and delivering really solid performance and bringing young players through, generating players from the academy. I think he can be their solution, if you like. He can be the answer to their yeah. problems. I think he is the answer. But I also yeah. think that they could be the problem. Like, did you see oh, towards the problem. end of last year, no, you know, when problem. they were going in the dressing room, presumably, he won't, really hope, he won't have... Yeah, no, he exactly. won't accept that. He, he would never... Honestly, if they start popping up in the dressing room, yeah. they'll be out of there in five seconds, yeah. honestly. He will not accept that. Yeah, and I think that's important because the way that the club is being run, certain things, are, like these are, these are non-football things, but certain things that the club are doing, 
really not in keeping with the traditions but, of football, let alone Chelsea. But he's smart enough to manage up correctly as well. You've got to remember, he, he managed Daniel Levy over the last yeah. 15 years yeah. as, as well as anybody has. So he's been at Paris Saint-Germain where you've obviously got ownership as well, you know, really influential. He can manage up that way, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. So I think he'll, he'll keep them exactly where he wants them. He'll probably tell them that I'll come and see you 25 minutes after the game every single yeah. week and I've... You know, a cup yeah. of tea with you, and I'll take you through exactly what happened. And he'll involve them. He'll be, he won't be—he won't be stupid enough to, to sort of cut them off and say, "You get over there." He won't yeah. do it that way, like Conte tried maybe yeah. at sort of Tottenham. Yeah. He's not—he he will definitely collaborate with them. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's all. Top can... five, Josh. That's what we're dreaming. We top do five. top five. Well, fifth, I'm on the proviso that fifth gets Champions League. Well, no, we've got to get on to Liverpool now. Well, two very influential players have left. You've got Milner and Henderson. Yeah. Are you going to be a better team? You haven't got Kai, so you, 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 need, you need improvements, I think, across the board. Yeah, look, Liverpool look scintillating in attack from what I've seen on pre-season. I don't think there's a club in the league that have got that level of quality across the front line that, that Liverpool have. You know, maybe a bit of its potential, but the midfield, yeah. I, th- I just thought that the rebuild, as it were, that was touted was they need to rebuild the midfield and maybe look at the defence a little bit. You know, it'd be ideal if you could do if you could do both. And it was taking along brilliant. I thought I think McAllister's a, a brilliant yeah, sign. He looks like well. he's fitted in perfectly already. Sobers lie was a bit of one that kind of developed it, opened up. That was a real uh, kind of stolen march on other clubs getting him. Looks like he's got great potential. And then you think and go and get a six. And if you can keep Fabinho, get a backup six, get someone to learn off him. Great, that's, that's your midfield rebuild, pretty much done. You know, maybe one more be great, but you can, you can get on with that. And then they've sold, in a, losing Milner as well, that's basically the three guys who played DM for Liverpool have all left the club. And Klopp said, we don't have a proven one there. And that's mad, you know, because this is a huge season for what they want to do. I think fan kind of discomfort is on the rise a little bit. I think there's plenty to be optimistic about. I think they could well score their way out of all kinds of problems this discomfort? season. I think because Where, having sorry? had, uh, in terms of just overall feeling about no. Liverpool's chances. Oh, OK. So, you know, we've, when we changed system at the back end of the season, it looked like they'd not covered up all the problems, but got them playing again. Everyone looked to be pulling in the right direction. Trent looked like he'd finally become the player, starting to become the player that we all know he can, he can be back to that kind of level. And um, yeah, we look like Liverpool again, having had an absolute dour campaign where after players, look, we were on here countless times saying, what's up with Liverpool? You couldn't figure out whether it was psychological, physiological, all of those. Felt like we turned the corner. End the season optimistically and you're thinking, okay, you know, do that rebuild, put some fresh legs in there and go again. But right now, again, we're going into a, about to start a campaign with Curtis Jones playing in the, the six for Liverpool. I think he's a, a terrific footballer. I think he gets so underrated. He's got, I think he's got a really high ceiling, but he's played one professional game of football, a senior level know, football the, 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 as, as a six. But this goes back to last summer. So when you think of last summer, Liverpool didn't buy a midfield player, right? So then everyone's another 12 months older. So everyone's talking about this one's gone, that one's gone, this one. It was right for them to go. This, it was right for James Milner to go. Oxlade, Chamberlain, Keita. You're getting offered money, massive money from Saudi Arabia, Fabinho and Jordan Henderson, who looked like the legs had completely gone last season. Jordan Henderson's 33. Fabinho, you're not quite sure. So because they didn't get anyone last summer who was, say, 23, 24, 21, you'd end up in a situation where all players who were old, coming to the end of the career, some of them great players <coughs> for Liverpool. You're left, basically, with almost nothing there. So, this thing about who they're going to buy, buy in defensive midfield, do you think they should have kept one of those players if they didn't have, so, if they didn't have someone Absolutely. lined up yeah. 
Because they've won the lottery in terms of the money they've received for those two players. Got them off the wage bill because it looked like at times last season that there was nothing left there. But to let the two of them go and not have someone set up and to be fair to Liverpool... Liverpool in the transfer market for the last five or six years, the clinical, they normally just bang and it's done. There's no talk about something happening. It just gets done and it gets announced the next day. They've, they've left themselves short and someone's made that decision. Somebody's gone. Because, you know, with Jordan Henderson, they went back and forth. They wanted to get a fee, eventually get a fee. They took him on the, the pre-season tour to the training camp to Germany. And I, you know, I don't know, but wouldn't shock me if Klopp was having a way going, is there any way you can stick around for another year on this? That didn't happen with Fabinho. They went 40 million, great, that's his price. Yeah, but you're right, th- th- these transfers dragged on a bit, didn't they? Yeah. So it wasn't like th- they were sold the next day and you left like that. It felt like the Henderson, the Fabinho deals dragged on for two or three weeks. Mm. And my problem with bringing Lavia in is people keep saying he's too young to be the, the whole midfield player for Liverpool, for the Premier League to play all season. So you need to bring someone else in as well. How does that work? If you're paying 50 or 60 million quid for a 19-year-old kid and then you won't pay 50 or 60 million for someone who's 26... So what you're basically saying in 12 months' time, Lavi will be ready. What do you do with the other fella? Yeah, no. Yeah. And that, that's Just get the proper that's, one that's right now. Saicedo. Yeah. Yes, you might you might think Saicedo's overpriced. I get that. But Liverpool got massively. Uh, oh, well, Fabinho and yeah. uh, Henderson were massively overpriced. So you've won on that side. You might have to pay a bit extra this side. Just do it. I, I think with Liverpool, and I've said this, it, it, and it is coming this moment. The last two years, Chelsea have spent huge, mm. Arsenal have spent huge, United have spent huge, City, to be fair, a City. And I think it's caught them out, it's caught the owners out. They haven't got they haven't got the money to be able to compete. I think it's shot them the market. You know, the Bellingham deal hundred odd million, Rice hundred odd million, Fernandez hundred million, Casido hundred million. I think I think they're at that fifty, sixty and they're comfortable there. But I think they're at that point whereby they've hit the ceiling at a lower level than the other four or five clubs are at. And it's going to come and hit them like a ton of bricks at some point because the, the manager at some point is going to wake up in the morning and go. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because he's shielding them, there's no doubt. He's doing an unbelievable job. He's done the best job of anybody, I believe, in the last seven or eight years with the budget that he's had and the spend that he's had. But he can't keep doing it. He can't keep doing it. It's gonna, he needs that money to be able to compete. They should just be going getting Casado now for him and saying, right, there you go, that's dealt with and sorted, it's 100 million. But they're not they're trying to pinch someone off Southampton for 40 million quid, who's a good player, don't get me wrong. But that's Jurgen Klopp needs the, the real deal. Because if you're talking about what you were talking about before about challenging Manchester City, 
They can't do it with a player that's got potential. They need to do it with a player that's real. And I do think it's going to come back on the owners at some point. I know they're building the stadium and they had to do that because the Anfield had fallen so far behind. So they're left with no choice and that is driving revenue and it will pay itself off. But they're not investing in the team at the levels the other four or five teams are. They're just not. This goes back to that this, this, this comfort thing is... This is just a massive season now, and in terms of the, in terms of the ownership, in terms of Jurgen Klopp, because if he if he if they have another season like this, this is why it doesn't make sense. This is why it's mad. Because people can critique, critique Liverpool's ownership and say they don't spend enough, or they're skinflints or whatever. And look, they're not free spending owners. It's a self-sustaining model that that probably looks a bit antiquated now. All of a sudden, in like a world where there's even more football clubs, you can spend bottomless amounts of money. But that's the nature of the playing field now. It is it is what it is. If Liverpool have another season when you get to the Europa League, I mean, Carrie, you, you've been through those Liverpool teams where Liverpool had Champions League quality players and Champions League wages playing Europa League football. You'll do a season and then there's a conversation. Mo Salah's not sticking around for two seasons in Europa League. That's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden your players are getting their heads turned and the good ones that you can rely on who are the right age who were supposedly bought into your, your total project, they're getting poached from uh, you know, left, right and centre. And you've missed your chance. Liverpool got a one-season opportunity here to get themselves back into that, that mix th- and they're, think, they're undercutting it at the moment. I think it's a little bit more worrying than that in the sense that when you looked at Liverpool's signings for 30, 40 million that they were making a few years ago, those players ended up yeah. being the, some of the best in the world. When you look at the actual players, let's say United as an example, you've got Fernandes, Mount, Casemiro, Eriksen. I think Jurgen Klopp would swap his midfield now for United's. And I think there's an element now of the midfield, say, for instance, that Arsenal have got with Rice, with Partey, with Erdegaard. They're actually now, he's having to overcoach them and outperform. Before, when he was signing these 30, 40 million pound players, they ended up being absolutely outstanding and world class yeah. players. These lads that he's got now, we know they're good players, but they're not the same Liverpool as they were four or five years ago. So he does need now, unfortunately, to sort of go and get one from the top shelf and literally yeah, put the him ceiling's in, not nearly there's, as high. Yeah, there's the, two. There's two they need to go and get, and and this is the problem with changing the system. It's rebooted the attack, but it's still not quite. We quite haven't quite got the players that, that fit, and this is the problem. Is Liverpool need a midfield player now. and a defender? But let's, That's say, what yeah, let's say you got Lavia and Casado tomorrow for 140 million. Let's yeah. 145 million. Let's just say they went and did that. Mm-hmm. The owners. Right, all of a sudden, Liverpool will be like, whoa, you'd be, you'd be looking at it and thinking they've got a right chance. The, the, they, the owners aren't going to go and do it, though. The thing is, Kenny, that's it, a is problem. A, it is about the... It is, look, and I, I don't disagree with anything you've said there, by the way. I wish we'd just go, <laughs> oh, who's the best in class? Because the thing is, this is one, they weren't, in, they weren't quite as desperately in this market, but they've made themselves now desperately in the market by selling well, what they're they in had. They're well, in the Bellingham well, no, for six yeah, months. Well, exactly, but they've missed out on rice. You know, they've missed out, the DMs have moved now, and there's not, there seems to be a premium of, like, of truly top quality. <laughs> well, everyone knows they've moved to yeah, and and that's where it's a it's a it's a, a fault of their own making kind of thing. But it is ultimately about the buying the right player because this I think we get a bit lost in the headline figures of football sometimes. And again, like Man United have thrown money at the problem since Ferguson left, and they bought a lot of mercenary duds along the way. Liverpool have been very canny in what they've done. I think they're trying to trying to see if they can hold on to the old way because you don't want to get bullied into fifty million pounds for a nineteen year old who's played two thousand. You're protecting it a little bit. Stupid. Though. What? In terms of, I think you're kind of missing the trick. You got Jurgen Klopp. Who I think I agree with Gary when he says that pound for pound he's been the best manager in the Premier League over the last seven eight years. Especially when you look what he won. I think they need to like while you've got him, you need to support oh, yeah. him. You need to back him and bring the yeah. players. And otherwise you're gonna. 
You're going to have a few years of him uh, getting Europa League football, no, punching above his weight. Chiumani, it felt like the Chiumani signing of last year. If that had actually happened, yeah. we're not having this discussion and now. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is that it's and that's, been one, identified that's, the, two that's years. the one thing I would say why Liverpool are not quite doing... I keep thinking there's something going on with Mbappe and Real Madrid. And at some stage in this window, will Real Madrid need money? And the, the guy you're talking about, Chiumani... He chose Real Madrid over Liverpool last summer. He didn't really play too much last summer. And I just don't... Jürgen Klopp's probably having these conversations with you know, people at the club. We need someone in this position. But are they thinking, let's give this another two or three weeks. It's not the end of the world, the first two or three games of the season. We want to buy someone for the next four or five years. If he goes to Real Madrid, they're going to need maybe 50 or 60 million to help with that transfer fee. Could we get the guy that we want to That's, that's definitely yeah. on the, on the card. Yeah. Those when, when I was talking to you before, by the way, I actually wish I wasn't saying that they had to go and spend 140 million. But the problem is the whole market. Mm-hmm. When, when Fernandes went to Chelsea, I thought it was madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when Declan Rice has gone for 100 million, Bellingham's gone for 100 million, the, ha- the actual market has shifted, yeah. unfortunately. It, 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 it feels like they're going, is, come on, let's, let's just keep this market down yeah. and everyone else do, yeah, we're with you totally. How much for Rice? 105? Yeah, go ahead. I wish I wasn't saying. I think, I think DM should be 50, 60 million. Exactly. It's, I think it's Liverpool are right, but the problem is the whole market shifted to 100. Yeah. Casado, that's why they're saying 100. None of those players are worth that amount of money because, again, what you bet, if you're going to pay 100 million for someone, it's got to have a transformative effect. But Liverpool are in a position now where, when you don't own a footballer, literally professionally in that position, that might be where you, it's worth spending yeah. the money. But 100 but the, million should be getting the, your the 30 goals. Liverpool have won massively on the other side in terms of selling, in terms yeah. of Henderson Fabinho. So surely you've got to be thinking, there's 50 million quid. We didn't think we were going to have. And this is why it's crazy. I'm trying. You know, I've spent me job almost trying to work out, not necessarily my opinion on it, but trying to work out what is what are the conversations, what are they doing? And you're right. You know, they were going for Lavia prior to getting effectively a £52 million windfall off selling Fabinho and Henderson. So there's there's the £10 that they were arguing about straight away with no problem. What else are they doing? They were clearly waiting for Levi Colwell. He's just signed a new contract with Chelsea. So... Is there, is there a big move that they're holding out for? But the problem is, in the transfer market, where you're holding out for one big thing, it's like trying to go for one big scrabble move to win a game, whereas everyone else is just getting loads of bits and pieces and you're playing catch-up and you leave yourself in that. Last week of the window, we talked about it with United, with Harry Kane, you don't put all your eggs in one player's basket. There were too many last summer and that's how you end up with Art and Mello. And it, <laughs> it feels like that they're, you know, talking about overpriced midfielders, you know, he's still in the top 10 most expensive ones of all time. Um, the, the, you can't afford to get caught short at the end of this season because it's a, it's, it's a one and done for you. I think, yeah, I think you know what? Experience Adam, as, much, as, much as, as much as I love talking about Liverpool. Our attack boss, by the way, we're going to score loads of goals. We're going to get on to that, but we're running out of time, so we've got to, we've got to crack on to Newcastle. Kendall, how are you feeling? I mean, must be unbelievable. Champions League anthem at St James's Hello. Park for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I'm over the moon. I was like, I think I was eight or something the last time we got Champions League. So, yeah, for me to see that this season, it's just whatever I could have expected from last season, it was better tenfold. So, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Do you think you can, this could be a fairy tale season where you go on a run, like, like that Spurs run when they went to Inter Milan, Gareth Bell had those incredible games. They got you... beat that day, by the way. It's important to remember that. Yeah, but Gareth Bell was poor that day. What he's done for football. I'm just saying. Listen, they speak about it like, it's, like they won a trophy. It's, it's three days. Do you think, do, do you think that you can go on a run? How important? Are you, are you just... Are you happy to compete or is it or, or do you expect yourselves to do to do big things? Yeah, I'm not like, you know, these clubs are expecting like, you know, we need to go out and win it. I'm not like that and I don't think 98% of Newcastle fans are either. I think we're just happy to as, as long as we get out of the groups, anything beyond that for me is 
like successful in the Champions League, but it also has to come alongside maintaining European status next season. A little bit different, obviously, because hopefully with coefficient and stuff, there's five places in the Champions League Premier League next next season, um, and another cup run. I think I know that sounds like a lot, but you've got to keep maintaining and keep going at a level where you deem yourself to be progressing, <laughs> rather than kind of just. Oh, we we there. We just you know thanks for the Champions League. See you later. We'll just go back to ninth. Like I, that's that, our owners aren't expecting that either. So what, what's um, the feeling on the signings that you made? Because I, I I was looking at the signings and and it when you look at them you think of where Newcastle are now financially in the Champions League. Yeah. Has it has it really excited the supporters? Because they feel to me like Eddie Howe signings mm. where he's looking at players who thinks they've got great potential and I'm a great coach. I'm going to make them even better. But I don't think the type of signings that. Maybe the rest of the Premier League going, wow, how have the supporters taken that? I think we've done that so, the whole time. We've Everyone's expecting us to go and, you know, spend £100 million on someone. Or, and we haven't. We've spent smartly in every single signing so far. Bar maybe Chris Wood, but he did bring some money back in for us. Um, has worked out pretty well. Um, obviously, expecting big things from Gordon this season as well. He didn't play too much last season. Um, but so far, Harvey Barnes has looked brilliant he's much more effective output wise than St Maximin I know a lot of our fans were really upset about losing St Maximin me included but that's it was sentimental and you can't be you lot all know people who've won like things here you can't be sentimental when you want to try and win things um Tenali Eddie Howe is number one target that's what he said that and he got him and that was a big cop for us because obviously Milan boy um it's his boyhood club no one expected that to happen um, and yeah, it's looking, it's looking okay so far. I'm pretty happy. I still don't get us wrong. I still think there's stuff we need to do. We need a right centre back. We need a left back. Obviously, Livermento is kind of uh, on the verge of coming in, but that is a little bit of a weird one for me on the outside looking in, just because I think you need, we needed someone to come in and play left back immediately. He has said he can play left back, but I just don't see him being the start and left mm. back week in week out. So, but other than that, I think yeah, I'm really really happy with the signings. But I do think. There's, there's more that needs to be done there. I, I felt the same as you a little bit about the signings, that at what point is the... And I hope, I hope it persists, I hope the owners and the coach are aligned in terms of how they think they're going to get to the sort of top, because obviously that's where they, they mm. want to get to, to probably Premier League champions. Are they willing to go slowly, do you think, all the way through the journey and improve gradually each year where they might even go back a little bit? Or is there going to come a point whereby they're going to think, we need those big players, we need that big manager and how, how, do you think they'll continue to be aligned for the next two or three years or do you think it'll be a case of at some point they'll think nah and they'll blink and they will want those hundred million pound signings mm. that to be fair they may not want because they might just be a little bit too sort of you know they might disrupt the sort of the, the wage bill they might disrupt yeah. the salaries and all the sort of dynamic in the dressing room that's the thing so far we've managed to not do that as you said we've yeah. ev everyone's on the same sort of playing field we haven't Overextended our rage structure at all, even for the likes of Tenali or obviously Bruno's wanting to sign a new contract. So I think that might be the start of where mm. we then do see a rise. Um, the owners have said that they want to be number one, they want to win stuff. Um, our chairman obviously said a few weeks ago, did an interview and said, look, our aim is to be number one. So there is going to have to get to a point. Obviously, when it starts going wrong, at the moment it's going pretty well, yeah. <laughs> it's going yeah, nicely. Yeah. Um, the real, if it gets to a point where it is going downhill or you know something's going wrong I think they will have to step that and as I say I think it might we might see that with the Bruno contract I think it'll be really interesting to see how patient they are in the next mm. year or two 
Yeah. I mean, well, Paul doesn't allow signings. patience, does it? At the end yeah. of the day, it just it just doesn't. In the, in this market, as you said, the market shifted. There's players going for 100 million now. We are going to have to get to a point. We have spent. Don't get us wrong. Obviously, Isaac, 60 odd million, still our yeah. record signing. But um, there is going to get to a point if the market shifts and continues to grow the way that it is. There's going to have to be a point where we do. I, I think those three signings will get better with Eddie Howe. But it feels to me they're three signings that Newcastle could have made if they'd finished eighth. You know, they've they still been the sort of players I thought Newcastle would have bring in. The fact that he's got Champions League, yeah. I thought it might have been maybe... There wasn't a marquee. Just a, um, no, no, it doesn't have to be marquee. It just has to be lots of money. Just when you think about, you know, they've got a player who hasn't played for a long time, who's, who was at Southampton, Livermento. Harvey Barnes from a relegated team, I think he's a good player. Obviously, Tenali's, obviously AC yeah, Milan. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's one of those type of names. But I think the other, the other two players, were, it was nothing about getting in the Champions League that maybe elevated who they could maybe bring in. Uh, as players, really, because I think they're players they've brought in anyway. It's the FFP, that's what they keep every time there's an interview. Eddie Howe mentions. Why is that a FFP. problem for you and not Man City? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. We need to figure out. FFP is just hampering us at the moment because we don't have, like Chelsea, for example, they've had a really poor season um, by any, like, well, their standards, but by anyone's standards, really. And they've still got sellable assets. We don't. Yeah. St. Maxman was the sellable asset. We've got 25 million for him. That was, and that's our peak. Like, we don't have anyone else who we're willing to let go of that can help us out like other teams do. We've got, I was literally, there was a, I, I tweeted a photo yesterday. Three years ago, we have only two players out of our start 11 three years ago and not at that club anymore. So we've still got that, like, we've still got that little bit of level to go and no one wants our. Deadwood. Our Deadwood. That's yeah, that's 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 without being stop. nasty, but yeah. It's going to stop the jump though, isn't it? Because of everyone yeah. else, yeah. City and. Yeah. Liverpool and all, I've got, I've got those revenues. The rules, the rules that were You've spent your money, <laughs> You've spent your money. Have you, well, exactly, but if you look at Everton, Everton at the third bottom, net spend last five years. Oh, here we it's go. It's got yeah. no, no, I'm just saying it's got. <laughs> you know what? I'm just talking about Newcastle. Forget about but, Everton, mate. I'm just saying for Newcastle to make that extra But why is it Without F the money, why, why, I, I, I mean, look, I don't know the individual accounts of each club, but why, why is FFP a problem for United at the moment? They seem to be quoting FFP, and I think um, City have even obviously you know, got some restrictions. Arsenal seem to sort of spend an absolute fortune. Yeah. Finally. We just <laughs> make loads of money, though. <laughs> I've been banging this run for three years. Four million quid a match day. We're good. We're good. Six million Is there revenue? So they, I, 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 I was looking... Uh, I don't... Just, you probably know, and you might know the same as well. I, I was reading about this because Liverpool fans were getting frustrated, you know, on social media. How are Arsenal doing this? We've been in the Champions League, you know. And it said whether these numbers are true, that Arsenal's wage bill was half of Liverpool's £150 yeah, million pound a year. We don't pay big money and we've yeah. never paid big money. We've got like, someone like El Nenny on 60 bags a week, you know, 65 bags a week. You know, these, the, the Arsenal always made sure that, that our wage structure doesn't get well, broken. You think big money, you know, £50 million a year. That was that's why I was really surprised about Saka's salary. So before. that's when you talk about FFP and Liverpool maybe not spending as much as Arsenal. Liverpool's wage bill is £150 million pounds a season more than mm. Arsenal's. Mm. Even for us, like, commercially, we're just not anywhere near a level of, yeah. like, a Champions League club, but we've just getting our new sh shirt sponsor. Our previous one was eight million. This one's twenty-five million. You got a lot of money off Sports Direct, didn't you? <laughs> 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 talking talking of big money. I'm glad to say that we, we we dragged him out of Dino's calf. We got the one and only Tom Skinner in the building. He was a Bosch. Bosch. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I got I got to darken the mood a little bit. Arsenal, obviously the the great recipients of uh, Declan Rice, but you received hundred and five million quid. Happy with that deal? I mean, like, listen, you can't blame him, can you? Like, he's, he's brilliant West Ham. 
he's going to go on to bigger and better things and good luck to him and, and, and you can't begrudge him. But we ain't signed no one yet, so I'm a little bit worried. But there's still a month left, so I don't know. Off the back of, obviously, Man City winning the, uh, the Champions League, you're on the Europa Conference League, but are you European silverware. Adds a little bit of spice to, to West Ham, obviously a club with a lot of history, a great stadium. Yeah, that, was, that was probably the worst week of my life, though. <laughs> that honestly was right because so, I don't know if you know I was managing West Ham the week before out in America yeah. and uh, how did that go I don't, I don't know how this happened I got West Ham rung us up I said Tom come down Legends team in America can you manage it I said you, you sure you're ringing me like <laughs> I mean, we'd love you to do it I said okay so me Kenny Brown got together with Anton Ferdinand Hayden Mullins <laughs> like, Jimmy Walker and we've, we've jumped this plane gone to America now I don't know anything about managing West Ham but I'm, I'm here <laughs> And, it's like Gary and, and Valencia, right? <laughs> oh, here we go! Oh, I've stayed away from Love Island for years. That Love Island shit's coming out. True, true, true. But the morning I'm boarding the plane, my wife uh, was seven months pregnant with our twin girls. And I, and I said, look, you sure you want me to go? Like, this is getting like Love Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets better. And I said, she went, look, look, when are you, in your life are you going to get a manage West Ham? These are legends you're watching. And I was like, I oh, know, I know, I've got to do it. Like, See, you'll be all right. Got her two sisters <laughs> to stay around the house. Flew out to America. And, uh, and then the plan was, this was the start of June. We're, we're three days in, in, in America. We fly back. We're going to Prague. I'm in the element. Then when I land, have a few weeks off, babes will be born. Well, it didn't happen like that. Now, we've had our training day and me and, me and Kenny Brown are writing out what we're doing and mine was literally, score goals, go to the pub afterwards. <laughs> you have to him. And as, as on the morning of the big day, my first game as West Ham, actual, I've got the kit on everything. Like, oh, I can't believe what's happening. I've got all the ESPN news on me. I'm thinking this is a dream. My wife rings me. This is two hours before the first game. And she's in hysterics, cannot get her words. I said, well, slow down, what's the matter? Like, shut up. And she literally can't talk. She went, I'm at the do- 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 doctor's. And I went, all right, well, put the doctor on. And the doctor's gone, hello, Tom. And I've gone, you all right? Not really, we've got a bit of bad news. I said, oh, for fuck's sake. I said, OK, uh, um, all right. <laughs> what is it? How bad is it? And she goes, well, your wife is coming today for an appointment at the hospital to book in the date for the caesarean next month. But we've done the checks and one of the baby's heartbeats is nearly stopped. And if we don't get the babies out in the next couple of hours, you potentially lose both your daughters and your wife. And I thought, and I just burst into tears. I didn't know what to do. I've got the West Ham and I've got in this lift to go down. And as I've opened the lift, Anton Ferdinand and Jimmy Walker are both standing there. Carlton Cole's in the background. And I'm looking around, I'm just kind of going, you all right? And they thought I was just crying with happiness because I imagine, and I was literally in a, in a distraught. I said, I've got to go home. I can't, I've got, and they went, do you, do you mind? Like, I feel terrible, but I need to go home. I've got to be, I might lose my wife. And I said, it's fine. So we got on this bus, and the bus had to drop me off at the stadium and then took me straight to the airport. Now, I've got to the airport, massive queue, I've got to the front. I said, look, I need the next flight back to, back to Heathrow. And he said, the only flight we've got is you've got to fly to Philadelphia. You've got to wait 45 minutes in Philadelphia straight to Heathrow. I said, well, when is it? It's from four hours' time, I'll have it. Well, I've run back out, got back on the bus and gone back to the stadium. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Right? I've run into the stadium as Kenny Brown has got the boys in a circle. And I said, I'm, and they're like, well, I thought you was... I said, yeah, but the plane's in four hours. I ain't standing in America not managing a team. 
So I've come on, jumped on, I've given the best motivational speech of my life. Right, lads, listen, I've, I've watched you 10 years ago, you was my idol. Anton, I love you, mate. Just, I was going mad, right? We got batted 4 1. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got to the airport, and as, I've, as, I'm, as, I'm, at the, as I'm in the airport, my, my wife's sister has rung me up on FaceTime. I'm going through security hysterics. We're going to lose. We're going to lose her. I said, "You what? What do you mean we're going to lose her?" She went, "We're going to lose her." I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" She went, "She's in a room with twelve doctors. Okay. It's all serious." I said, "No, no, don't say that." Boom. Phone cuts out. I've gone through security. I'm now in a mess again. I'm in a different country, waiting to get the first plane to Philadelphia. My first stop. Then we get onto the plane. I get a text from the sister with a picture of these two babies. They're three pound each. They're in little plastic ICU things, tubed all over them, and. Uh, and I said, beautiful, fantastic. There, she went, they're okay. I put, how's my wife? This time, we've, and this is true, I've took off. I've had no reply. It's the Aww. first flight. Then it's just my luck, right? This has never happened before, but apparently it's what the captain said. As we're coming to land to Philadelphia, we are 100 feet off the ground. I can see the trees. I can see the cars. I can see the people. I'm a bad flyer. All of a sudden, the captain gives a little brace. <laughs> I, I was like, you what? He was screaming. The plane has pulled up, turned right like you can't believe. Like all food and drink, bags are flying. People, he's, he's mad. He's gone back up in the air and the captain's gone, this is your pilot, Delta pilot, been flying 31 years. This has never happened before and we, and we make sure we give you all vouchers you get off the plane. But as we was coming to, into land, we had to do a run, a, a steep fly around because a plane has pulled out onto the wrong runway. I, mean, I thought, oh, this, my day can't get any worse. Well, I've landed. <laughs> I've landed yeah, in this is going to be, be a separate section yeah. of the overlap. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the overlap, mate, yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy it, right? So then, this is your life. Rings me wife, rings me wife's sister. She's okay, she's in recovery, boom, boom, boom. Get on a plane to Heathrow. I make cold take straight to the hospital. Anyway, three, three weeks later, they all come home. They're all fine, and I've not slept ever since. <laughs> Boss! <laughs> No, no, Declan Rice. That, that one's a football. Not a fucking chance, any. That's making the old. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story. You're a great story, Manny. <laughs> so Jared Bowen is just going to score a lot of goals. Yes. <laughs> how, how, how much of a loss is is Declan Rice? Let's <laughs> start with you two. You two. You two. How much of a loss is the fucking our West Ham fan? <laughs> 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 what makes a good season for West Ham? Go on. What, what is a good season for West Ham? Get, getting back to where they were in the first couple of seasons under David Moyes, where they were challenging Europe. That'll be tough because it was they were fantastic those first couple of seasons. This season, he was season, under pressure for a lot. For a lot of last, he was under pressure for a lot of last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, which I thought was a little bit harsh considering what he'd done before. But I, I understand that. But he stayed up and to win a trophy. And one of the things that I don't think it's great about the way football's become with the Champions League and the Premier League is that great football clubs like a West Ham going like 20, 30 years without a trophy. So I was I was so happy for David Moyes to see him lift it. But also mm. for West Ham, I've got no affiliation with the club at all. And that's why I'd love for Aston Villa to do it this season. I think how long have Aston Villa gone without a trophy? No, there's lots years. of clubs. You know, I'm not, I'm not taking the mick here. You know, Everton have gone a long time. Spurs have gone a long time. There's lots that's of clubs. Even the, the Forest were in European Cups. I think that competition and the Europa League as well, I think they're competitions we should be dominating as a league because who we're competing against, we've got a lot more money than them. Teams who finish sixth, seventh in the Premier League, I think should be getting to semi-finals, finals of these competitions and being the dominant force. And to see West Ham win that, I think it was a big thing for other clubs to see the scenes of West Ham, the homecoming. And I think if you're a Villa fan, you're thinking, 
We've got a Unai Emery. Where's that final? We're, we're going to win it. Yeah, I, I, I saw last week that West Ham were linked with Matt Tomney and uh, Maguire, weren't they? Please. <laughs> Please take No, no, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Harry will go there, to be honest with you. But I thought if they were to get those two players, not saying they're going to replace Declan Rice, but in terms of strength, personality, yeah. um, performance levels, I know people will, will mock potentially what's happening with Harry at the moment, but he's a bloody good defender. And for West Ham, he'd be a fantastic signing. Um, and I think for, obviously, McTominay, I actually have times over these last three or four years have said, at times when I've watched them, they have, you know, they, he's, not, he's, not, he's not Declan Rice, McTominay, but he's not... He's a similar you used to say that. He's not, he's not too far away from him in terms of profile. You know, he's a similar type of player. So I thought if they get those two players in, they could get a, have a good season, but they need, they need mm. a couple of signings like that desperately. 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 Do you not think there's, a, there's an issue at West Ham with the way that... Um, you know, the day after they won in Prague, so like, you know, the most glorious night they've had since 1980, the day after, their owner is on Talk Sport saying, you know, Declan Rice is for sale for the right yeah. price, trying to usher that deal through. Does that have a year, year left, though, didn't it? Pardon? Yeah, the year left, yeah. Declan. Yeah. yeah, but the day after, I, I, to, to already be sort of manipulating. He loves the limelight, doesn't he? That, he, he the way, no, he does, doesn't he? He's one of those type of owners, but I think everyone knew Declan Rice was going to. Does that going not shelve the ambition, though, for the club? Like, in terms of. In terms well, of well, listen, people was say that about certain clubs. Declan was never going to sign. Yes. Well, I mean, for West Ham to win a European trophy. The problem for West Ham at the moment, it looks like there's something going on between David Moyes and the new director of football who's coming. Mm. There's talk about David Moyes actually losing his job. And we're really interested over the next two or three weeks what mm. happens in terms of bringing players in. I think he wants to go back to bringing Premier League players in because it, the transfer window didn't go great for West Ham last season. And I think the new director of football, is he a guy from Bayer Leverkusen? I think. Yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Players. And I think he's obviously looking maybe a foreign player, so it looks like there's a disconnect there behind the scenes. And by the way, I wouldn't sell, I wouldn't sell Matt Tomlin if I was United anyway, for the fact that the, you know, Ten Hag attacks all competitions and he will need him in competition, so I wouldn't sell him personally. But well, sell him and replace him. I think you have maybe. To. Maz, you must be buzzing. Brighton, European football. You couldn't have dreamed, couldn't have dreamed of it, could you? No, it's an incredible season, uh, finishing our highest ever position, getting European football, got De Zerbi at the helm, obviously Chelsea trying to poach all our players. But um, yeah, no, we've, we've done really well last season and I'm really, really excited. Like pre-season's been class, we were in the same event in the Summer League uh, with Chelsea. And um, yeah, just I'm really excited. We've got some great players, like young players coming through. Like I said, De Zerbi, uh, incredible manager. I think he's top five for me in the league. And then, yeah, just an incredible, incredible squad and really look forward to this season, to be honest. There we go, do you... Do you echo those sentiments? I mean, they're, they're a team yeah. that was lovely to watch last year. They were, but I, I think they've gone up a level from where they were with Graham Potter and Deserby coming out. And I'd be surprised if he's your manager the following season. If you have a, if you have a similar sort of season, I, I think you're looking at someone who looks pretty special. And they brought in, not playing good football, we've seen lots of teams play good football over the years, but the way they did it in terms of almost enticing teams onto them with the centre-backs rolling the foot over the ball, waiting for you know the opposition to come onto them, the goalkeeper... I actually saw Man City doing that as well. And normally, not like saying Pep's copying your manager, Pep's normally sort of the front runner for any sort of change in football. But I was, I was seeing Man City doing that yesterday, just, you know, just slowing the game down, waiting for people to come on, then trying to make a couple of passes. And I think they've been in a, a joy to watch. You know, they have. He's a bit, he's a bit mad, isn't he, the manager? Yeah. He's a bit volatile. You talked talk right about Arteta earlier about like, his passion on the sidelines. I think he's up there, deserve it. He just loves it. I think he got booked <coughs> five times last season on a touchline. And I think that's what we missed. We, we had past managers, Chris Hewton, Graham Potter, quite 
tame, quiet, you know, reserved managers in that sense. And then you have De Zerbi on the complete end of the spectrum. He's just that sort of crazy Italian with incredible ideas, big ideas. And yeah, he's just been a breath of fresh air, I think, for Brighton. And like you said, we've, we were worried about Potter leaving, going to Chelsea. We thought, because we, I think we just beat Leicester uh, 4-1 or whatever it was. And then he, he left and we were right now, I think, fourth in the league, somewhere like that. And then... Yeah, he's gone, and we're like, what's going to happen? Are we going to go down the league? Are we going to get relegated? All these kind of questions. The Brighton fan, you're thinking, this is bad. But but would you rather? Would you rather have? Because I'm thinking about what, what uh, West Ham did last season. Would you rather have a similar sort of season in the Premier League, or would you rather have like a great run in Europe and you know trips with your mates and you know nights yeah. to remember? What would you prefer? It's a really tough question because, of course, you don't want to get you want to get in that scrap of relegation. Relegated, no, no, no. As in, like, be down there because of the, the, the run of games. You're going to have so many more games having to play. You know, midweek, weekends. It's just going to be completely different for us. We've never been used to that. We've never had that before. So, to answer your question, I think I'd love a good European run. You I want th- both. Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> I'm very greedy. <laughs> yeah, I want both. I want to win the league and uh, win the Europa League as well. But no, all jokes are. I think we've got a great squad. I think we obviously it's going to take time to, to adapt to all the competitions and stuff. But I think we can do it with the players. Like, look at Milner, Dahoud. We've made some really smart signings, free transfers, like incredible signings to come in and bring that experience. We've got Adam and Lana as well there. The experience they bring in from a European perspective is huge. And then you've got the young players, Juan Pedro, Inciso, Buenanote. I could go on for, for, for days and like we just got an incredible mix I think of experience and youth and I think that's really key going into the season Talking about Gary talking about going on a, a European run you had Aston Villa in your top six do you really believe they can, they, they can do that and they can maintain is Emery that good? Yeah I think he's, I think he's a brilliant manager uh, I think he was a brilliant first time round he went to Arsenal but obviously circumstances sometimes things don't work um, yeah, I, I really fancy him. I think he's a manager that knows exactly what he wants. He's brought a group of people in with him that I think he's worked with before. His general, my, my general manager that I had at Valencia is his general manager and communications guy at um, Aston Villa. I'm waiting for the <laughs> 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 he speak Spanish. <laughs> he, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's been round the block. He's a top, top manager. And I think they'll deliver this season, Aston Villa. Um, and I, I love Brighton as well. I mean, Brighton, to be fair, put the best performance I've seen last season live uh, in all the games that I commentated on against Arsenal. I thought they were right, absolutely yeah. out, Arsenal, they're out of this world. Oh. It was unbelievable. It Enjoy what? it while it lasts. Yeah, well, I, I'm, look, De Zerbi, I think, came out the week before saying you're going to see, because we lost against Everton 5-1, because you're going to see the real Brighton on Sunday. And I think... It's the best performance I saw all season. Yeah. Like, it was unbelievable. But I think Villa, I mean, Villa going to that category of Newcastle over the past 10 years when you've gone there and you've seen a great club and it's just been a bit like... But I think what Emery's done in this last six months, he's brought yeah. life to, to Villa and Villa needs he's, life. He's made them a really attractive proposition yeah, for, for players as well. Vidagani, the guy that's sort of Emery's right-hand man, but the biggest appointment we've made is Monchi. Um, new sporting director, he was like the catalyst of everything that Seville did, all of their success. So it feels yeah. like last season, Emery was on sort of like a trial and he showed us what he can do with players that weren't his own players. But now the board have backed him and brought players to suit his system and that with Monchi and, you know, his in-game management is just ridiculous. You know, in pre-season, we're shifting between three different formations is a born winner, he just wants to win every game and I think will be a big problem for most teams in the league this season. I, I, you said about three formations in game. I, I think I remember telling you about Valverde, who also went on to coach Barcelona when I was... He, he, I played against Bilbao twice, when I was at, three times actually, when I was at uh, Valencia. And 
I mean, he wasn't just one step ahead of me, Valverde. He was like 10 steps ahead of me. He, he changed three times in one game. and I'd never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. And I always felt like I was massively behind. When you feel inferior on the touchline, and obviously, you know, some of you having in the touchline, but, you know, there against Luis Enrique, um, Simone at uh, Atletico Madrid, but Valverde. And Emery, I think, is similar to Valverde in his thinking behind the game. And I think the people who can do that, they're really special coaches, massively talented. And I think Villa have got someone there that could do really well for them. That's why I put them sort of where I did in that sort of top six. I do think they've got something to go in there. Jamie, can they maintain it? Because we've seen them almost flatter to deceive and and kind of be up there. We've we've seen Everton be up there at times. And those teams that are kind of around eighth to, to fifth, they don't usually stay there long. There's so much competition. But with Emery, is there someone who can, who can really build a style of play and a, uh, and a, real, a real feeling of, of kind of their concrete in there, in that top eight space? Well, I think he's done that last season. He's come in halfway through the season. He's sort of embedded what he wants. And I think you're right. You just added three or four players. The guy you mentioned there, he used to be the sporting director at Sevilla, has got an unbelievable reputation in terms of bringing players in. I think that the defender you brought in from Villarreal, I think, is an unbelievable sign for yeah. Aston Villa because he, was, he was a guy who's. What, what we're trying to do, you know, pl- ball, a ball playing centre half, playing out from the back. The system that we're currently playing is a little bit like what Man City were doing. We've got three centre backs, we've got two in midfield, four across the front line, and Watkins up top. So we're sort of asking our full back to fill in at midfield as well. So he's really sort of trying to be that manager a little tactically like what Pep is. It also and feels you, you he's said, improving players. Like yeah. You see Mings under, under Gerrard didn't look like the player he does under... Well, Watkins is the biggest one. Watkins, Watkins has looked even unbelievable yeah, this season, hasn't he? But you said something earlier on that I'm, I, I, I don't 100% agree with. You said European football might not be that big a deal to cope with. I think it will, yeah. especially you're talking about... The manager knows European football, yeah, but the, when players are not used to playing two or three times a week constantly through a season I think it's not just a physical problem it's a mental problem at times and that's why I think sometimes in the Premier League certain teams who've made Europa League they can't wait to get out of it because they're just not used to it it's not their way of dealing with the games and I think that's why I've actually not put you in the top six because I just think you'll go far in that competition I think at some stage it'll have an effect on your league form Yeah Yeah, I just think you know, with the players that we've currently got and, and how good he is tactically. I mean, like I look, go back to last season, look, first game for Unai and we beat Man United 3-1 at Villa Park. We hadn't done that for 20 years. You know, we beat, we did the double over Spurs. So I just think... Everybody did. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> we haven't been, we, we've been that club that have been like plateauing. And so I, I just think... Our manager is going to be that difference because not only do we play the same every single week, he does little tweaks each week. Like when we played Newcastle at home, he stuck McGinn on Dan Byrne. Like we've never, ever seen him do that tactic before, but he did it and, and it's what won the game. So I think we just don't play the same every week and I think that will throw a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Raz, I need an elevator pitch from you. <laughs> how, how are Everton going to do this year? I, I always enjoy it because we go back to it at the end of the season, we'll see how close you are. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? I didn't believe I'd be sat here, but I am. Um, I think we'll be all right this year. I do. I do. No, I do. I think if you look at it, I think everyone with Everton, and rightly so, criticised, they deserve, they bring a lot on themselves, but we played the whole season without a striker. Our striker got one goal, which is just... Yeah. And if you look at the defensive numbers and you look at the midfield, they were mid-table. But forward, it was League Two, probably doing League Two with this service, it was worse. So, 
obviously I said it a year ago, I'm not going to say it again, but if the bar centre forward stays fit. <laughs> but he's, um, yeah, but he's, he played, yeah. you know, we're I mean, bringing another, we're bringing a young lad in from Sporting tomorrow, probably. You should see him. He was only, he's only 19, but he's six foot four, a bit more like Dominic Calvert Lewin, as in frame. He still wants another couple that have the non throw from Leeds. If they can get some pace in wide there, he's got Dan Jumer in. I think they'll do all right. I think people. People is, who, is, Baz, is, is all right not being in a relegation yeah, fight? Yeah, I think so. Listen, I, you can sit here and go, oh, well, you know, things go right. And it can, you can have a mad season, of course you can. But I think most Evertonians' heart rates will be a lot happier if, come April, they're, uh, they're nowhere near. Can they, I, I have them somewhere between 11th and Surely Sean Dyke's having a, a full season, full pre-season. He's the he's the man to steady the ship. Now you're not going to get any surprises with. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Everton will be a hard team to play against, but they'll also mm. be a hard watch. I yeah. think you know you know the way Sean Dyche plays is going to be very direct. I saw yeah, well the actual team that played in the in the, the friendly against Sport in Lisbon. Mm. It's just big, powerful team. You look at the midfield, a lot of energy, not great creativity. It's not going to be a lot of goals, but you'd always feel a Sean Dyche team will either lose one nil, draw one one, or win one nil. You know, it's always going to be that. So they're always going to be in games. You, I don't think you'd see Everton under Sean Dice getting walloped week after week, three or four nil. No. You know, it won't be that type of team or, or doing that themselves to the opposition. I think Everton always be in games, and as I said, I, I think <laughs> did you say about fourteenth, fifteenth? Yeah, I think yeah. anywhere between those numbers. If you look at it, I mean, we were terrible last year, and we were. I think we finished six or seven points behind Chelsea. If you'd offered me that this year, I'd bite your hand off because I actually think <laughs> they'll be right at the top in the in the hunt for for Champions League. But this is a massive season, stadium. Is, you know, it's going to be, we're moving into it next season at some stage. We, it's, we've just got to have a steady season this year and I think we've got the manager to do it. And There's still work to be done at the forward positions. We played that game Saturday, beat Sporting. We didn't have Dwight McNeil, who I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's a massive miss for us because wasn't overly enthused when we got him and he finished the season brilliantly, particularly against Brighton. Uh, he got seven goals. He was out. Dan Zumer, we've just got him. We didn't have him at the weekend as well and, and they are working on three or four attacking additions, and that's what they need. I think everywhere else, I'd like another centre-back, but I think everywhere else, they're all right. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that I won't be sat here in May going, <laughs> I don't know whether I can say we'll stay up. I hope it's done much before that. But... Uh, will the owners still not come back and watch this season again? Is that, has that gone now? Is that well, well the left. three of the board have gone, haven't they? Mishiri hasn't been at Goodison for a couple of years. MSP are just about to, to buy in. That's going to be done in the next 10 days. And I think then you're going to start to see a little bit of a shift towards that ownership. With It won't be done all in one, but it'll, it'll work towards that with the stadium. Then they'll probably look to get that off, off again to mm. someone else. So I think that's where you're going to start seeing the team, but I don't see the team coming back. Do you feel like you're waiting for the stadium to almost start a new Everton again? It feels yeah. like you're almost like, sort of this season, you almost like take staying in the Premier League and then sort of like, it's a new club once the actual it stadium has, It comes. has to be. Listen, Goodison's amazing. You were there the last day. It's unbelievable. <laughs> when it's like that, that yeah. noise went the core. I scored. I've seen big nights at Everton. Yeah. I'm old enough to have seen us win stuff. I've never heard noise like that yeah. when that goal went in. The stadium was bouncing, as you, you'll well yeah. know, but it's time to move to, to get Everton to the next level, yeah. if you like. We, you know, Kendall's talking before about commercial income and things like that. We're stuck. Yeah. Our ground is at the maximum. It's 23,000 on a waiting list. That can't get it. Even if that's just gate receipts, that's money. Yeah. So we are where we are. We've got to move. It will be like a new beginning. It feels like that. Yeah. The chairman is waiting to go. We're waiting to bring a new CEO in. That'll be done in the next few weeks, and then we can start to maybe 
look, look. But there is about stability. If you're asking me anything, I'll bite your hand off for 14th and, and no sleepless nights from April onwards. Well, Baz, I hope you're correct. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to be playing in the Championship oh, in that mate, beautiful no. new ground, let me tell you now. No. On to Nottingham Forest. We sat and we laughed. 45 new signings, I think, at, at this point last season. Happy? Happy with how things went? Survival? And what's your aim for this season? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just survival as well. It was League Cup semi-finals. I mean, we, we, we proved ourselves last year when many said we wouldn't. Um, I think the aim is just steady the ship. You know, 30 signings last season. We've only made two this season so far, but we have such a hard start. So I think we've got uh, Arsenal, Man U, Chelsea, Man City, first four away games. So for Steve Cooper, the pressure's going to be absolutely huge for these first four to six games and if he gets through that then I think we're going to have a really strong season. Well, the board's backed him haven't they? and that's, that must be for the fans especially because I know he's a fan favourite mm. that must be incredible yeah, for and him still, and adds a bit of stability. He's still one of the youngest managers in the Premier League you know his experience already just through what he did last season he is going to go on to, to much bigger things in his, his career because of his age and I just hope it's with us I really do. Just I, I think watching them last season they come into the uh, the Premier League and I know Steve Cooper well from his time at Liverpool and he wants to play a certain type of football but they ended up finding a way of playing that kept up in terms of having five at the back playing counter-attack uh, the lads up front are, are we Tywo Awinyi Awinyi yeah but I, I watched them I commentate on the Arsenal game where they, they, it kept them up and there was a way of playing with it. It was a big, it was a big, powerful team. It felt to me at the end of the season when you looked at Forest, the back five, and as I said, the lad up front, the midfield players, a lot of energy. And I thought if they stick with that and become that sort of type of team, where you think, I'm not sure you'd want to play against them. Whereas I felt like when they first came into the Premier League in the early first few months, it was a team where you thought, OK, you could maybe get after them, maybe you could bully them. But it felt like he'd fell on a system and a way of playing the players they brought in that... You know what, they wouldn't be you know, a bit of a tough nut to crack. Certainly at home, you, you think of the home record was fantastic. and I think they should stick with how they were playing at the end of the season. Nice. Yeah, Just... the, the, it was top five form the last month of the season, mm. but the away form is key. And with that comes the injuries. And we've, we've just signed a, a guy for behind the scenes from Chelsea that's going to be key for us because the injuries destroyed us last season. So we can't have that again, especially with the 100-minute games mm. and things like that going on. Do you mean a physio? Pardon? A physio, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like... Well, Chelsea sacked all their uh, medical department. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea. That's another, another example of the ownership doing like, yeah. crazy things. Is the jury out on those guys? No, we no, can't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I've got to welcome Joseph Burnley fan into the Prem. Absolutely walked the championship. Happy days? Yeah, dominated it. I know we've always gone on about like, how detrimental relegation can be, but it, best season of my life following Burnley last season. Dominated absolutely everybody. All right, Sheffield United might have got it as one game. But apart from that, you know, we, we walked the league, beat Blackburn 3-0, beat Preston 3-0. It, it couldn't have gone any better. How, how impressive is, is Vincent Company? You were with him the other week, weren't you? Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I went, I went to see him five, six weeks ago and they'd started pre-season training. So they'd, mm. They were the first ones in, I think. It's a weird thing. They did, they did, um, obviously, the season finished quite early and obviously you, you went up quite early. So he brought them back, I think, after three weeks, which was like before, I think the season had just finished for the Premier League. And I was like, what's happening here? And then he was giving them, he was going away with them for a 10-day camp. Then they were having another 10 days off. And then they were having another sort of block for pre-season. So it was a really interesting way of doing pre-season. I'd never seen it before, never heard of it before. 
he's obviously a workaholic. Yeah. Um, he's there till. I mean, I know we say this sometimes about managers, don't we? But I think he genuinely is. I think he sleeps four or five hours a night. I think he's one of them that's sort of like up till 10 o'clock at night, leaves yeah, the training I ground at 8 o'clock. I know a few people at the club, but he's there early morning, late at night as well, just always yeah. working on meetings and things like that and delegating and stuff and, like that. And I think that some of the, some, some of the, I mean, you've said this probably more than me, some of the players that have been great players, they've probably, they, they, they've they, haven't, they haven't done that 12, 14 hour day every day and lived it and breathed it. They, they live it and breathe it, they love it, they want to do well as managers, but then there's that element of obsession. Mm. And I think when I went to see Vincent Company for that, sort of few hours you know you get a, you get a feeling from speaking to people like the groundsman people like the physio or oh, what's he like when oh, we don't go home till half eight nine o'clock at night so straight away you're thinking right there's an obsession here he's not going to leave anything to chance it's going to be really hard work for those that are there the players are going to have to really sort of obviously Burnley always play, have worked hard you know when Sean Dyche was there but a very different feeling I think than when Sean Dyche was there with Vincent Company and he, he, he's, he's done well yeah he's one of those <coughs> he's one of those players where when you think of, we talk about a great player becoming a manager, and you think straight away when you walk in the door, you've got that uh, respect straight away because you get that. But very few players have got what he's got because he had unbelievable respect in a dressing room at Man City that had some of the best players in the world. And you know he was still that sort of, that leader, that presence, the one they all looked up to, you know. And he's the type of guy you think if he wasn't a football manager, he could be involved in like politics or yeah. something. You know, he's I think, got that I think, sort he, of I think he was offered. I think his 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 parents. I think or one of his parents is actually the mayor in Belgium. Yeah, well, I saw that. I saw that in the interview. <laughs> in Belgium, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah I think he, has, city, he has got yeah. a political family, but I, I I was really impressed with him, and I, I think as well when I first heard the words Vincent Company and Burnley, I thought, yeah, you just think, you know, where he's been, the glory that he's had in his football career. He was willing to go to Burnley, who have been obviously relegated. And I think there's an element of that as well. I think he'll stand him in good stead, that he's been willing to sort of step down a level that people maybe wouldn't think he would. I'm not sure many of our teammates that played for England with us, who've gone on to be managers, would look at that and think, that's one for me. I think they think that, you know, what can we do here? We, can only, we can't match what Sean Dyche has done. So I, I, I think I was massively impressed and I've got no doubts that his next jump will be a big one. Burnley yeah. obviously have to try and keep on to him, but I think he really wants to prove himself in the Premier League this season at Burnley and make, you know, obviously keep them up. Yeah, Absolutely. and I, I think we'll be all right because of him mainly. Like, obviously we talk about there how meticulous he is and a lot of the players that are bringing in, because you were there, Jamie, we were talking about how, how, how he demands respect. A lot of the players that we're bringing in, we're making a lot of signings. And the first thing they say in the interview is, well, as soon as I got a phone call off Vincent Company, I knew I wanted to be there. So that just goes to show like, how much of a pull he is and, and yeah. how, how much of a pleasure a special we are pull to, to have to him at our club. Yeah. Exciting proposition. Then we've got <laughs> oh, talking, 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 talking of exciting propositions, <laughs> Kettle will throw Luton. Hello. The fairy tale story. Yeah. How, how buzzing are you to be there? What a, what a story it's been. I mean, non-league football... Yeah, right, about 10 years ago. Yeah, it's special. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but for me it's the single greatest story in, in, in the history of football, English football in, in particular. Um, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm too young to, to, to have seen Luton in, in the top flight before, and for me the pinnacle was like seeing your European title side at Luton when we lost to you 5-3. That, that Xabi Alonso goal, that, wasn't it? for me was like, wow, like that for me was the pinnacle. Since then we were dragged through the mire, sort of minus 30 points, non-league football, and it's, it's, it's humbling and... But then the, sto the, the, sort of the, the, the story since then, 10 years to the Premier League, the memories made, been to Hyde, Ebbsfleet, just places that I guess none of you guys know, know even exist, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, special. I, I, I watched them for the, actually in the, in the playoff final, and to be fair, you think about what Brentford do on those Friday. We've got a Friday night. I think your first home game of the season might be on the Friday yeah. night, 1st of September. Yeah, West Ham. 
And you're going to have to create something special, I think, like Brentford have done on those nights where you basically beat teams up. Yeah. You know, the way in which you played, obviously, in that in that uh, final I watched against Coventry. Yeah, I think that I'm really looking forward to it because I like it when a team comes up. I like it when a team comes up and plays really good football, don't get me wrong, but I like it when a team comes up and they're a throwback yeah. and they look like they're going to knock it long and it's going to be ugly and you sort of see the big teams going there and night games. And so I'm really looking forward to looting this year because of that, really. Yeah. The sort of difference of style. How, JB, how was it playing there at Kenilworth? Because it's a special ground. I mean, it's tight. They've got the prefab like boxes that are kind of one level. The seats, you have to sit like this because you can't fit. It must be special to be on the pitch. Though. It is, and I'm delighted they come up, and I can't wait to go on the Friday night because you, you like doing something different. We're lucky the jobs that we in, we go to you know all the big grounds, and it's great. But sometimes going somewhere where you haven't been before in terms of like commentating, how you get up there, and it's going to be different. It's not going to be like going to you know Tottenham's ground, which is is amazing. And I, I remember when I was a kid. I remember the FA Cup semi-final, 1985, I think, against the Luton. I was there as an Everton fan, but Luton were a team. They had the plastic pitch, so there was always something I can remember as a kid. But the journey they've been on, I think it's brilliant to see, you know, see them back. Yeah. In the, uh, the when I say back in the Premier League, I think they actually just missed the Premier League. You went down the season the Premier I League remember. started, I think got, and then we went down in '92 with, with Notts County. So yeah. Yeah. But I mean, sort of me growing up watching football, Luton were a big part of the 80s, big <coughs> Arsenal in a cup final, I think in 87 or 88. So they had a really good team. It's good to see them uh, back. Finally, Sheffield United. They, I mean, you, you, you're back in the Prem. Yep. So short, short hiatus, no? Yeah, yeah, but the uh, less said about Sheffield United, the better at the moment. I'm really, really worried, I'm going to be oh, honest. You haven't even started oh. yet. <laughs> <laughs> A team that's going to start the first game of the season against Palace is going to be a lot worse than the team that got promoted to the Premier League. So that is the worry. We lost Tommy Doyle, James McAtee, both going back to Man City. We've sold our best player in my lifetime three weeks before the Premier League season. And I'm feeling like I'm going to cry right now. It's <laughs> just started worse than Tommy's story. <laughs> <laughs> this is the overlap, not Richard and Judy. <laughs> so, no, no real hope then? No hope whatsoever. Is the plan to come up and basically make a load of profit at the club, stabilise the club and then go back down with the parachute payments? Is that, I mean, that, is, it, is that... it feels like that, to be honest, because um, I think if we didn't get promoted, we'd have been in massive, massive yeah. financial trouble. Yeah, I heard so that. just getting up... And then hopefully, let's see what happens. Maybe we'll go back down, probably go back down. But just getting up, that was the big thing. We need to stabilise the club. And um, hopefully, you never know, by the time the window shuts, we'll have signed five, six more players. But right now, you're talking to me and we've sold uh, our best player. We've, we've lost so many great players and we've got a defence. We've got a stable defence. We've got a half-decent goalkeeper. But in front of that... I don't know. What, do you know what? I was, what do I talk about? What I was gonna. I was. I, I was gonna try and lift the mood, but the next part of the show is the bottom three predictions. So. Oh, <laughs> you just put uh, yourself bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's made. He's made. He's made the bottom. I know. You, I know you guys don't like doing who's going to get relegated, but oh. could you, uh, if you had to predict, you know, educated guess on who you think is going to go down. I mean, judging by that, Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weird, yeah. Uh, I would say Luton. I would. I think Wolves could have a problem. Yeah, they seem to be yeah. disarray. I, I think the Wolves. I think Wolves will have a new manager in September. I think the manager will walk out. 
They've sold players. It, does, it looks like they've got FFP issues and they're not going to be able to bring anyone in. And I think he's a top manager. And I think he'll be thinking, I might ruin my reputation here in terms of being dragged into a relegation zone. I think the job he did last season, you could have put him up for manager of the season. Uh, what he did when he came in. Wolves were bottom of the league when he came in. Don't forget. But you think of the players they've, they've lost. Jimenez has gone to Fulham. Uh, Neves has gone to Sarri. Has Matinho moved on as well? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've sold the centre-back. Collins. Collins. Well. Kate, where did Collins go? Brentford. Brentford He's yeah. gone to Brentford. And they're not bringing players in. And I think there'll be a massive disconnect behind the scenes. I think the manager will look to go. And I, I think Wolves, Wolves could go down. I, I, I think their ownership are connected to... Um, <coughs> The right agents, and I think they'll get players in a loan. Well, they can't buy anyone with the, the, the money. They no, they're loan. They get the right players on loan. So. Yeah, so I think what will happen is they'll get the right players on loan at the end of the window so, somehow. I think both. I'll add to Luton and Sheffield United. I'll go Bournemouth. Mm. Interesting, guys. That's all we got time for. Big round of applause. <laughs> David Carragher and Gary Neville. Some bold opinions. And some, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we got. Something out of Rory Jennings to go viral, no doubt. We'll see it on social media soon. Thank you very much. This has been the Overlap Live fan debate. I love you. Informative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.